2: And we are live here on the Voice of the Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening?
0: Are we live? I feel like you always talk a little early before the...
2: No, we're live. That, that time I actually waited a little bit longer than usual, because I noticed the last week it, it cut me a little bit before. So what's weird is uh, <laughs> you hit go live, and then it gives you this countdown, then it goes, but then sometimes it refreshes halfway through that countdown. So I'm saying, you know, hey, welcome to the yada, yada, yada. And then it's like refreshing and then it's like one two and i'm like oh man these people just heard you know <laughs> halfway through the the intro i mean it's it's not a very interesting intro it, you, you kind of get the idea but still it's it's a little uh it does it at the end too every time i try to end the show it like cuts it off at the end so i don't know we got a little bit of a time but anyway
0: well mine doesn't kick in for like 10 more seconds but that's because it's on a delay
2: right you're in the worry. before you're in the after i'm i'm in the live you're in the aftertimes there so that's... you got
0: that dump button over there i do you
2: know. i oh yeah i, I wonder hmm yeah, well, no. <laughs> I can't go back and do it. Yeah, we, need, we probably should invest in that. That's one of these days when, we, uh, when they fire those dopes that bust it open and they hire us. Uh, we'll have the dump button. Andrew Rich will be on the button, waiting <laughs> patiently for Joe to say something. that uh, Sirio- I was going to say, on Sirius, you're pretty good, though. I can't imagine there's anything that would re- really require the dump button uh, on Sirius. Do they, do they work blue on, uh, on Fight Nation radio? I never listen to Fight Nation radio.
0: They, uh, they, uh, they. You think Bully Ray does his show without?
2: <laughs> I was. Humanity? I assume that. I no. I assume that uh, because of one brother Ray that they probably uh, they probably are allowed to kind of act a little loose there on the uh, Fight Nation radio.
0: You can work blue on any of the Sirius XM stations, as some people choose not to. Yeah,
2: well, I did notice uh, '90s on Nine. They do use the uh, edited uh, versions of songs, which annoys me. I just, I actually, literally, just figured that out like two days ago. Uh, When Gin and Juice by one Snoop Doggy Dog, Joe, you remember that song? of course come I'm just on now so with you i'm just joking with you but uh yeah there was a lot of replaced lyrics in that song and it, it doesn't even resemble the same song and it made me wonder why they're even playing this song on on an, an, an edited radio because yeah it was almost an entirely different uh idea uh, of that song including uh, i believe the uh the chorus that he, they even changed as well where i guess i mean gents it, they, they, they they it's something about like i forget what it was it was really ridiculous where i was like what the hell is this so
0: it sounds like the uh, like the kids bop version. Of
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I forget what it was. It was in, instead of like sipping, they said like drinking. And I was like, well, that seems like a very like <laughs> there's not a ton difference there. But OK, that, that's uh, yeah, there's a lot of very interesting parts that, uh, that got changed in Gin and Juice. But that so far, that's the only one that I've noticed that 90s on nine is the only one I've noticed uh, that, that has played any other edited stuff. So.
0: Maybe when they say smoking, because it's implied. They definitely,
2: yeah. Any anything that was related to uh, smoking marijuana got got definitely got moved out uh, and <laughs> replaced by uh, uh, by various things. And it's it's I in my mind when I was listening to it, I just imagined like Snoop Dogg finishing his cut of gin and juice and then then somebody in that studio going you know hitting the button to the, you know the mic inside the studio and going all right Snoop, when you do the edited version now and it's just like oh jesus well like, they all
0: have to do that right,
2: right. and he's got to just sit there and be like all right what do you want me to say instead of chronic and they're like i don't know what are you thinking and he's like you know like who comes up with that who comes up with all right yeah. so i'm smoking chronic what are we going to do instead of smoking chronic because what do you want me to do to replace this line in the song, like what? What are, what are we doing? And I just imagine, like after hours of them trying to figure it out, it's the Snoop Dogg being like, drinking, whatever. You know what I mean? He's just like annoyed. He's just sitting there. He's like, "I gotta go, guys. Can, why are we still doing this?" Like, you know, it's just I, I, would love to be in the room for that. Uh, when
0: well, even even Wet Ass Pussy has a radio edit. So yeah,
2: what well, yeah. what does that come to? I I uh, I'm not a uh, current radio listener, so I can't say what the
0: oh the uh, the WAP radio edit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in that one, it, it they do to, for a lot of it, they just do the deal where they just uh, like edit out. They don't replace the word, they just take it out. Oh,
2: so done. Oh, my God. Those are even wor- the worst. Yeah. I think they probably do more yeah. of that now because it's so annoying to try to redo it. So you just hear a song and it's just a silence for like five seconds. Right.
0: The... Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the route they go. I can't really.
2: That must be a pretty tough song without uh, <laughs> a lot of those lyrics in there. So I.
0: Well, I, I pulled up a version on. I pulled up on google
2: okay all the edited
0: and apparently you know they don't really change there's still a lot of implied shit like like this for example beat it up baby catch a charge if they're not changing a line like that they're probably not changing a ton. All right, i'll give you a whole verse here
1: yeah go ahead beat it,
0: beat it up baby catch a charge extra large and extra hard
2: Ooh, Put that's this... in the that's in the radio edit
0: this is the radio edit damn Put this cookie right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. That's TLB's favorite line. She always says Hop on top. I want to ride. I do a Kegel. I'm kind of wild. How is this an edit at I all? Was
2: gonna say, I was going to say, are you sure? Because <laughs> that's a lot going in. I guess it is 2021. I think we've maybe went a little more lax with it. But uh, yeah, that seems... Uh,
0: Look at my that doesn't mouth. doesn't seem
2: implied. <laughs> a lot of those don't sound implied. Those sound like pretty obvious.
0: Look at my mouth. Look at my thighs. The water is wet. Come take a dive. Okay, all right. Tie me up like I'm surprised. Let's role play. I'll wear a disguise. I want you to park that Big Mac truck right in this <laughs> little garage. Uh, that
2: okay? So that one's a little implied. Like you know what I mean. Like if you don't know exactly, um, I suppose that one <laughs> could probably.
0: Out in public, make a scene. I don't cook. I don't clean. Yeah, Gobble funny. me, swallow me, drip <laughs> me down the side of me. Okay. <laughs> Rich is tugging his collar. Um, are we gonna get flagged on YouTube? for uh, I wonder. Things? Yeah, I don't know. I
2: don't. I don't think so. But uh, I mean, hey, you know what? We'll have. To, uh, we'll have Megan the Stallion take some of our uh, our money.
0: <laughs> you ain't never gotta. And then they cut a word out. Him for a thing. He already made up his mind. For he came. Wow, this is the radio edit. This yeah. can't. This has to. This I swear to you. This says "wap clean version."
2: <laughs> I suppose it's not like.
0: Well, there's no profanity. There's no
2: profanity. Yeah. Um. So I guess uh, it's clean to an extent, sort of. But I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, I guess implied sex is different than you know, than than <laughs> lewd, you know, and and uh, and swearing and whatnot. So.
0: Not a garter snake. I need a king cobra. With a hook in it. Hope it lean over. Wow, they like like those bent dicks. These yeah. girls, huh? Yeah. That's that's strange. Well, I guess if it fit for the lyric, so they like Peroni. What is that called? Perone disease or Peroni disease? Or uh,
2: I do not know. Thankfully, I don't. Um, uh, I'm not aware of what
0: the. Well, they have those commercials called. with the where they have all the crooked fruit. In place of the, <laughs> I don't think
2: I've ever seen that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's for uh, like a like a one of those <laughs> so there's like, like a...
2: squash and like zucchini that's like slightly yeah, bent, yeah. slightly ajar, yes. and that's okay. Oh, all right. yeah, it's
0: like one of those pharmaceutical commercials. Huh. I don't like...
2: think I've ever actually seen that one to be honest. So basically,
0: they're like, "Does your dick look like this?" And it's like a crooked fucking eggplant or whatever. Yeah, like a really okay, crooked...
2: all right. They they go right to it. They just say, "Hey, does your dick look like this eggplant?"
0: No, no, oh, okay. but that's the idea. Like yeah. they they're like uh... the wording is more like for guys that have. A certain kind of problem and then they show like the vegetable like the carrot all bent out of shape Okay, yeah. you know like they never mentioned dicks in the commercial sure but
2: but, it, but it's yeah it's like any like Cialis uh, uh commercial right. where it's very clear what's being implied here is the the boat is coming into the dock or whatever and you're like oh okay <laughs> you know what I mean like <laughs>
0: My talk game, my talk game is fire, Dasani, Dasani. It's going in dry and it's coming out soggy. All right, so that lyric doesn't make any
2: sense, by the way. She doesn't know what Dasani is, does she?
0: Well, no, she doesn't say talk game in the actual version. Uh, She says like she probably says head game or something. So there's a there's a clear edit there. Okay. Um,
2: not sure where the Dasani comes in there, but that's all right.
0: Well, she's saying her mouth is wet, Rich.
2: Like water. (laughs) yes okay that's a little loose but that's fine
0: you're not a fan of that
2: uh, that lyric. that lyric yeah a, the, the other ones have a, been pretty interesting the other ones have been pretty interesting i'm not I'm not a big fan of the i get water is indeed wet so i'll, I'll let mega stallion uh, slide there so
0: as a rap connoisseur you don't like these
2: uh no so most of a lot of them have actually been pretty uh, a lot better I, I i'm not a fan of the song uh but when you sing it it, it, it somehow works i don't know
0: he got a beard. a little bit well, more
2: erotic when, uh, when Joe yeah.
0: Lance <laughs>
2: yells Try it loudly.
0: Yeah, Try this one. He got a beard while I'm trying to wet it. I let him mmm. Now he diabetic.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: I wonder what was there instead of mmm.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the,
0: way, the way I spit and now he trying to sign me woo. Your honor, I'm a freak. Handcuffs, leashes. Switch my wig. Make him feel like he cheating. That's uh, that's very kinky.
1: Yeah, it is. yeah.
0: Put him on his knees. Give him something to believe in. How many lyrics are in this? How long is this? Say,
2: song? How long is this fucking song?
0: Never lost a fight, but I'm looking for a beating. Ooh. Geez. Yeah. Wow. That's my kind of <laughs> yes. that's my kind of action. In the food chain, I'm the one that eat ya. If he ate my ah, he's a bottom feeder. <laughs> ah,
2: I'm imagining ah wasn't a part of the, wasn't the lyric, but uh, maybe
0: ah that's in parentheses. Ah. <laughs> Big D stand for big demeanor. I can make the bust before I ever meet you. If it don't hang, then he can't bang. You can't hurt my feelings, but I like pain. Wow. If he, ah.
1: <laughs> a lot of ask, <laughs>
0: yeah. Who is it? When I ride the yeah, I'm going to spill my name. Ah. Okay, that's just messy. That's okay, now
2: now we, we've gotten a little loot towards the end here where obviously they have no idea what to do, so they just put ah instead of, of well, dick Rich, and I, I, pussy listen, and fuck. So that's a... Hey.
0: I can recite the actual version if you'd like. I mean, we could do this.
2: Uh, I, I'd rather uh, not. I'd honestly rather not, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're dealing with some wet and gushy. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet and gushy. Give me everything you got for this wet and gushy. <laughs> now from the top, make it drop. Those the actual lyrics, the
2: wet and gushy? There's no now way. So is that now is that what they've replaced wet ass pussy with wet and gushy? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so it still is alive. The game is still alive where there are people in a boardroom sitting there going, man, all right, so we have this song. It's a hit. But we gotta make it radio friendly. What can we do? What can we replace wet ass? It's like a whiteboard. It's like wet ass yes. pussy. It's on the whiteboard. <laughs> a bunch right. of like a bunch of college-educated, I'm sure it's all, you know, it's all the suits or whatever, sitting in the room going, oh man.
0: They couldn't come up with another p word, though. So <laughs> right,
2: gush. so I'm sure they tried. Like they're racking their brain. There's you know leftover Chinese food boxes all over the place, and the guy's just like, I don't wet and gushy, guys. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, yeah, let's just go home. I don't wet and gushy. Is that fine? Is that cool, guys? Everyone's like, Yeah, whatever.
0: Uh, yeah. I'll finish it off for you. Yeah. yeah. Now from the top, make it drop. That's some wet and gushy. Now get a muck bucket and a mop. That's some wet and gushy. <laughs> I'm talking wop wop wop. That's some wet and gushy. Macaroni in a pot. That's some wet and gushy there's some blank in this house. there's some blank in this house, and that goes on for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight okay nine, so now we're now we're
2: just extending this thing. this is just like a fucking new Japan main event here like let's go let's go home megan
0: well that that's like the outro though okay that's okay. like. That's not, you know what I mean? That's just like, you yeah. Know. It,
2: okay, we understand it's a five-match show. Megan, but let's let's go home. It's all right. I don't need Sonata going another 10 minutes of fucking, you know, Dragon Sleep. Let's move it on.
0: So. Well, it starts off with there's some in this house. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that's where they just cut the It's that's where they just cut the word. I don't I get hose this might be the word. Uh you
2: this is your song, man. I don't I don't know.
0: That's my wife's song. I don't listen to this. I said certified freak 7 days a week. Wet and gushy, make that pull, eight, pull make that pull out game weak. Woo ah,
2: <laughs> woo ah, <laughs> got yeah. you all in check. Yeah, there you, there you go. All yeah, right, there
0: cool. you go. That's the uh, WAP clean version. Yeah, uh, for the radio edit. There you go, uh, as performed by JL.
2: Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, so that um... listen. I,
0: many have said that I'm a lyric. You know, I'm a lyricist. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: You, you and Raekwon, uh, your good friend Raekwon the chef, are, are uh, Raekwon the chef. Yeah. 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 Your boy.
0: Yeah, you know bad tipper but it's,
2: <laughs> it's, it. he had a he had an exotic drink that he liked to have as well right yeah he did yeah, yeah you don't remember because you're not yeah you're not a, you've never obviously bartended or drink or whatever so
0: um. Um, i i know the drink the red lobster sunset passion was oh okay
2: drink. oh interesting okay
0: and he used to bring his mom. <laughs>
2: mom. Yeah.
0: Every Sunday, I'm sure, like after church or something.
2: Yeah, okay, they'd, they'd go and, and, it, and destroy some Red Lobster.
0: Well, it'd be, it was always on Sunday, so I just figured that's the connection, and it'd always be like midday. That's the, you know, that was the connection I sure. made. Sure, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is back in the late 90s, you know. So what's in so, this, uh,
2: so you said it's the Sunset what?
0: Sunset Passion. Red sunset lobster. Passion, the most
2: Red Lobster. All right,
0: popular, uh, or it was anyway, their most popular...
2: Uh, I don't uh, I don't uh, frequent red lobster very often so I want to see what's in this guy so looks pretty good okay so we got co- well it's not no it's pretty easy uh <laughs> it's coconut rum pina colada drink mix and strawberry daiquiri so it's pretty easy to make I think even you could make that so
0: yeah well there um, you go that does the chefs yeah okay the, uh,
2: yeah put a little slice of, uh, it looks like did you put the slice of uh, pineapple and a little slice of a little strawberry in there as well
0: uh, I don't know about. I don't know. Yeah, that's what shows on here. As so. a kitchen guy, as a kitchen. Yeah, guy. I was gonna
2: say that, you know, this isn't your game here.
0: See, when Raekwon would come in, the it would be great because the servers he didn't t- he was a horrible tipper. <laughs> so what the servers would do, it was a great way to you. They would give the table away to a newbie who didn't know any better, who would be starstruck. Right. So you'd get, they'd get Raquan in their section, and they'd come in the back cursing and spitting. You know, I fucking got, I got Raquan last week. What the fuck? This guy's gonna order one hundred and eighty dollars worth of food and leave me eight dollars or whatever. You know, so they'd be cursing and spitting, but then they'd grab like a new server who didn't know, and they'd be like, "Hey, uh, you want to take that's Raekwon. That's, that's Raekwon from Wu
1: Tang Clan." He's, He's like, like, "Yeah." You take
0: yeah. That? And the new, oh shit, it really is. Oh wow! And then they'd get all excited, and that, that'd be the hustle. You'd give that table away. You'd be like. I'll trade you. Oh, you just got an eight top? I'll take that. You don't want to do all that work. Meanwhile, the eight top is going to be like a $30, $40 tip. Raekwon's not going to tip you anything. <laughs> right, right. So so they would run that hustle. You know, oh, you think about it. You got to make like eight salads. You got to make eight drink. You got to get eight drinks. I'll take the eight top. You go ahead. I've had him a million times. Yeah, he's great. Go ahead. Take it. <laughs> right. And then, you know, and then and they get just out lead of Lead
2: him to Raekwon. the wolves. Yeah, lead him to the wolves of, of Raekwon's $8 tip. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's uh, similarly in in Chicago. Uh, Scotty Pippen's a legend in uh, Chicago restaurant circles. Anybody that's worked at a Chicago restaurant for st- to this day, I think to this point, even though it's like a meme and everybody knows about it, uh, I think he still is is, is, is known as No Tip and Pippen. Uh, around these parts but yeah I talk to anybody that's worked at a restaurant in the Chicago area and there's probably yeah. somebody there that has a Scotty Pippen with the exact same thing they're like that's Scotty Pippen over there you want to do his table and the guy's like yeah you know, it's 250 bucks it's wow. a 10 dollar you know, he throws a 20 down on there or whatever."
0: It is. no tippin Pippen. he's yeah. got a whole nickname oh yeah yeah
2: I, that's what I mean I think he still does it too despite like he has to be aware of that nickname there's no way he's not but I don't know maybe he's
0: not Rich there's a kids bop wop
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: There's some doors in this house.
2: (laughs) You're reading it, aren't you?
0: Okay.
1: All right.
2: Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Then we'll get to Paul Orndorff's tragic death. But yeah, go ahead.
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're drinking up some water bottles. Bring a bucket and a mop for the water bottles. Okay. Because it fell right on the floor. Look at the water bottles. If you hurt me, I'll press a charge extra large but i ain't hard this oh is kinda dirty i was body. gonna
2: say that didn't change that much
0: put this bottle right in your face on your nose like at a water bottle drink that watt i want some water i need that water you want that water we need that watt look in my eyes the bottle's got drip come That's, with a dime see that still I implies
2: that still implies a lot yeah. of wetness and faces like they're 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 the the I don't know. Not enough of that song has changed. I think to have it be a kid-appropriate song.
0: I'ma drink your water before you ever talk. It's lit. But bite your lip. Ask for a car if the bottle don't drip. This is something else. I don't know. Why man. would they even bother with yeah, this Yeah,
2: I'd probably just put that one on the... Uh...
0: The kids really need a
2: version of... <laughs> yeah, we don't need... Kids don't need any of these Kids Bop songs, but they definitely do not need a... Uh, a, a, a what? Is, it, is that what it is? W-A-T?
0: What, yeah.
2: Yes, yes. They definitely Water bop. What What Water. Water. Some of those are pretty lewd. The bring this wet into your face. Like that's still the same thing that hasn't changed. Like that's,
0: I, I got to find the video. Cause the, the, the girl, I, I don't. Yeah. The...
2: That's going to get you on a list. I don't know
0: if you wanna be on that. <laughs> she watches the kids pop videos. I have to see what this looks like being performed because it still sounds pretty dirty. Like a water bottle can be very, uh,
2: Oh, suggestive too. Yeah. yeah depending it's... on what she's doing with that water bottle. And yeah, yeah, that could be real.
0: Um... Yeah. I mean, just look at the, uh, authentic song with the, uh, Dasani reference. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, right, right. That's the same deal. Uh, anyway, that's two. Uh, yeah, two old white guys break down WAP.
2: Absolutely, yeah, and hey. uh, talk about Raquan's tipping abilities. So, there you go. Yeah. That's what only here, only here on the Voice of Wrestling uh, Flagship Podcast. Uh, Can you get that? But we have plenty to get to uh, today. A lot of actual wrestling topics uh, as well. We're going to get to uh, some stuff in Japan. You got New Japan Pro Wrestling. You have Pro Wrestling, Noah. You have uh, Dragon Gate, the Kobe World. There's some shows coming up there we're going to talk about in a bit. In America, we have AEW, United We Stand, an indie show uh, that I was able to attend Live, we got in the UK, we got Rev Pro live at the Cockpit 51, a show that you and I both watched Then we can go back to America, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary. Then we can stay in America, Money in the Bank 2021. Uh, then we also have some other stuff, uh, we're gonna get to along the way, uh, as well. But, um, also ROH Best in the World, uh, we will cover that, uh, show. But uh, okay, so
0: we're not getting to half of that shit.
2: There's, I mean, the way that this show is going right now, uh, it's not looking good, I can admit. <laughs> it's not looking two, good. two, I got so.
0: another point to make here, yeah, number go ahead. two. Whoever reminded you that Slammiversary was happening, I'm very annoyed because I I saw you not mention Slammiversary all week. I was keeping it in my back pocket.
2: Yeah, you 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 played into it too because you sent me. You know, sometimes you'll send me the hey here are my ideas. You send it like you know, four a.m. or whatever. So when I wake up, I, I, I get to Slack and I see the message from Joe and it's it lists all the topics and I'm like yeah that's everything that I thought of too. Okay cool boom let's go. So I had it all in. I had all the notes ready to go and I, I released the, the 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 video for for the live video to for, so people knew uh, the link or whatever. And slam was not on there. Because you didn't put it on your notes, I didn't think of it or whatever. And then, yes, yeah, some astute uh, listener said, "Hey, what about Slammiversary? And I was like, "Oh, darn! Yeah, of course, Slammiversary. So, what was the bit going to be, or or, or do you not even want to do it because it's it's been ruined?
0: No, I want to tell this dope what he, what, what what we lost because he. Do you want me to, want me to name this guy?
2: You, you, want, you make... want to get this? Uh,
0: this is he, he, this is going to be the bit I was going to see. I was going to you. You totally had no clue Slammiversary was this week. It completely slipped your mind. So you were going to get off with it, were gonna hit off with a surprise game show, the game show music, the uh, the, the full accoutrements of the uh, of the Joe Surprise Game Show, and we were going to do: Is this a real Slammiversary match, or is this a made up Slammiversary <laughs> okay. match? All right, all right. And I even went through the work of making up the questions, for oh, the wins and oh, I'm sorry. And this is not you; it's That's the a guy good who remi- That's a good yeah, bit too. It would, it would have been a great bit, but the guy fucking reminded you. Uh, that's slam reverse and then once that happens you're gonna look up the card and then the bit is destroyed right because so. you
2: definitely before 12 hours ago if you said eddie edwards versus w morris i would say no right <laughs> impossible <laughs> <joke>.
0: no <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah you were gonna go over eight let's be honest right were- chris
2: saban versus moose no <laughs> Here's the thing. Impossible. Yeah.
0: I could have given you all real matches and you yes. would have gotten them all wrong. <laughs> yeah. so,
2: Fire yeah. and flavor versus Havoc and Rosemary. No.
0: <laughs> yes. So uh, the game is out the window. Now, I'm not going to give away the quiz or the fake an- because I may use them in the future. Right, right, so right, right. Yeah, you don't
2: want to give that up. That's good stuff. So, so uh,
0: yeah, I have, to, I have to keep my fake matches that I made up for Slammiversary. But, uh, yeah, you know, because we haven't done the surprise game show in a long time, and this was a perfect opportunity. And uh, whoever this listener is, um, he ruined it for everyone. So if you want to shame him, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think it was on Twitter, but I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the exact name uh, of who it was. I thought I thought it was a patron person, so I could uh, uh, badmouth them because they, they get it. The patron the patrons they they understand the, the good jokes, but I don't know. This guy yeah. might have honestly been like, "Hey,
0: you forgot Slammiversary.
2: and so I don't know if I want to be mean to him, but.
0: I think being mean to the listeners is what we do around. Grant
2: so. D is his name. At G Diggs Wrestling. <laughs> name. Give the
0: handle to so everyone could go bombard yeah. him with hate.
2: At G uh, Diggs Wrestling here is, uh, is the yes, name he he for-
0: Slammiversary preview? <laughs> Question mark? So. Surprise game show. Yeah, Down Ruined.
2: Ruined. That would have been so. a good one. That would have been a good one too. But uh we are gonna talk as well about um uh, Paul Orndorff and, and his passing. But before we do that, though, I did just want to uh, real quickly, Joe, talk about this. I know you just released your Thursday tier reviews uh, over at Patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. But this has been quite a week in the AEW, WWE world. Uh, and I wanted to at least talk a little bit about it because I haven't had the chance to. And and, and uh, people keep saying, hey, this is a huge news story. You guys probably should talk about this on the flagship at least a little bit. I will say a majority of ratings talk and a majority of that stuff is going to be on uh, the Thursday tier reviews Again, it's Patreon.com. Uh, slash voices of wrestling the five dollar tier, but uh, yeah, some really interesting stuff this week with AEW getting that real big rating up against the NBA Finals, uh selling out the Arthur Ashe Stadium immediately, but within seconds during the pre-sale, well,
0: selling out the pre-sale, not selling, selling out the pre-sale.
2: Out. Yeah, I, I was about to say the selling out the pre-sale there. Uh, the and tickets
0: then, for the, the 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 entire venue goes on sale Friday.
2: Right, right, right. But as far as every ticket that they've released so far is is, is pretty much scooped up. Uh, and the, the uh, WWE uh, and MSG going kind of slow as well but uh, yeah it was a pretty interesting week this is the, the, I, I don't know about you but this we've had a lot of weeks where like you know there'll be news and those things that happen but this was like an exciting week man just there's just so much going on it 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 really does feel like wrestling is is fully back at least in america did you get that same feeling this week as well with a really good dynamite with ratings talk with a million people watching hot crowds and you know Debating ticket sales and a million, dollar, a million people watching. And there's a lot of stuff going on this week. It, it felt normal for the first time in, in, in what I would say a pretty long time.
0: You know, SmackDown's going to have fans on, on Friday. Yeah,
2: we're, we're in it. Yeah, just, uh, just tomorrow. Yeah. Uh,
0: and they sold that out, 15,000 Houston. So that's going to be a very large crowd. The Texas crowd was hot for Dynamite. We'll see if they're hot for SmackDown. Um, mm. You know, but it is 15,000 people. And then, you know, Raw. We'll have fans on Monday as well. So. Yeah.
2: And, and Money in the Bank, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So,
0: right. But, uh, but yeah, no, a great, just a great week for, uh, for AEW, though. I mean, because the, the dynamite was great, it was one of the better dynamites that they've ever had. Um, arguably the hottest crowd they've ever had for a dynamite. Then the rating is just phenomenal going up against the NBA. Finals. I couldn't believe
2: it. Yeah, I, I, I've not seen. Have you seen the NBA ra- uh, finals ratings yet? I, I don't think I've seen anything about that. Guess because, right. w- w- were they good, too? or?
0: Um, let me give you the exact number instead of guess. And I have it um, right in front of me. OK, here we go. So um, now remember, Dynamite was only going up again. Only the second hour of Dynamite. Correct. Was going right. Up
2: right. Again. It was a little bit of a later.
0: So I thought it was interesting that they put Matt Hardy and Christian at the top of the hour to counter people changing the channel because this was a myself included.
2: S- Guess who changed that channel faster than you can imagine? It was well, that's what I, mean. I, I <laughs> yeah. was
0: I was curious what they were going to put in that spot
2: because <laughs> I saw that, Christian walk out. I said, I'm good.
0: Yeah. And and it's uh, th- so that's the match they picked. I haven't seen the quarter hours, but um, OK, so the overnight for the. This is from Brandon Thurston. Uh in Dynamite's second hour it went up against the NBA final game on NBC that started at 9 Eastern. The overnight measurement for the first hour of the NBA game was 7.057 million viewers according to Spoiler TV. I wonder why he only had Oh, that's the first hour of the game. Yeah, so that would be what had, when had that with Dynamite. Okay, so, so it they, actually
2: looks like, yeah, I'm looking at it now, uh it looks like average 10.25 million viewers.
0: Yeah, the game's build especially close games Hell yeah. build there and they you move go. along. But but the, the relevant hour that went against dynamite was just over seven million. Viewers. Okay,
2: which is a pretty uh, not a great number, but a, but a, a decent enough number. So, um.
0: I mean, you know, still though, I mean, that's uh, you know, you're going up against an NBA Finals game, which averaged ten million viewers. So there was interest in it. Mm-hmm. It helps that it was a close game that came down, uh, you know, to the final. I'll say final minute. I don't want to say final seconds. Uh, Would you consider that coming down the... Nah,
2: it wasn't. It was pretty much done, about two minutes left or so, about a minute or two left, so...
0: It's like a four-point game. It it, it, it wasn't a one-possession game.
2: Yeah, it wasn't like that final clock was, was, yeah, it was... With about a minute left, it was pretty clear that the Bucs were probably going to win that one, so...
0: So, they did over a million viewers, and they did a point four. Point four, I mean, you know, they never want to be below the midpoint threes, but they really want to be in the point fours when it comes to that demo rating. That's... And to, and against stiff competition like that, and here's the thing: what what's great about that for them is that they did that big viewership, and the show kicked ass. Right,
2: that's always important. That that's something that I think there was a time. Many many moons ago, probably a year and a half ago, there was some night that got really good. Like Dynamite got really good ratings, and I remember us talking about how it was like a not that good show, kind of a shitty show, and we were like, ah man, like you know. And they, you, it's hard to know ahead of time, you know what I mean? Like you don't know ahead of time. I mean, you don't ever go out there saying, hey, let's have a generic bad show or whatever. You never try to do that. But I do, I, yeah. I don't know if it was a, I forget what the exact number was, and this is probably about a year or so ago uh, that they went out there and they had a pretty damn good number, but the the Dynamite was just like meh. You know, I mean, it was just like an OK Dynamite. We're like, ah, man. But this one is like one that if you just jumped in, because uh, I, I, I'm with you. I love this episode of Dynamite. I thought it was just fantastic. One, one of the best ones they've done. Like, I can't imagine if you weren't a regular Dynamite viewer that you saw this and said, I'm, I'm good and turn it off and said, I'm never going to go back to this. I mean, with that hot crowd and great matches and big stuff and and stars everywhere. I mean, it, it, it definitely seemed like that type of show that, that you could see that momentum sort of building from it. Hopefully we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, yeah, that's good. Good number for them.
0: Because, you, you, know, you know, you don't – if a show – you know, the quality of your show has more of an effect on the following week's number. Right, than, right, right. You know, for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, they beat Raw in two different demographics, male 18 to 49, male 35 to 49. And they were nipping at Raw's heels in 18 to 49 overall, just 8% down, uh, according to Brandon. And they are within 3% of uh, people aged 35 to 49. Wow. So. You know the older half of the uh, of the uh, of the key demo. So um, if they keep putting up shows of this quality, with the energy that that with the energy of these dynamites, especially uh, that the crowd that these crowds are bringing to the table, I mean, it's just a matter of time before they start catching raw occasionally in the demo and going neck and neck with them. And not only just these demos, but event, you know when football comes and Raw takes that inevitable dip and Dynamite isn't going up against the NFL on Wednesday nights, which is something Tony Khan said he never wanted to do. He never wanted to go head-to-head with the NFL. One, because he's an NFL owner. Two, because it's devastating going up against the yeah, NFL. Yeah,
1: it's
2: not easy. <laughs> it's not easy.
0: So, so I mean, it, it's not inconceivable with Raw touching 1.4 million viewers some weeks. And Dynamite, you know, you know, sneaking up on 1.1 million viewers some weeks, you know, not just in the demo coming within 8% of Raw's number, but it's not inconceivable that by the end of the year, there's a week where Dynamite could catch them at viewers. I mean, I don't think that's out of the question.
2: It's not. Yeah. And, and I think the, the big thing will come this week. Uh, well, I, well, some people will say the big thing will come this week, but you and I have kind of had some arguments. Uh, not not you and I have arguments, but we've had arguments with people about this, where, you know, th- this week is, is a big week in, in, in WWE as well, because with fans coming back, there's the idea that, okay, here we go. Now, you know, People got bored of the PC, and then the ratings tanked, and then they went to the Thunderdome, and then there was a little bit of an increase, a little bit of an increase, a little bit of an increase, and then, you know, people got, now people are bored of the Thunderdome, and they're ready to have fans back, and they're ready to do that, and there's a lot of people that think that things just snap back into place, like it's gonna rubber band right back, and and it might for one or two weeks, or three weeks, or whatever, you know, maybe a month or something, but uh, sustainably, I mean, that just has not been the ratings pattern for Raw the last five to 10 years or whatever, there used to be a time, we talked about this a few weeks ago. There used to be a time where, you know, they would, after WrestleMania or before WrestleMania or after a big show, they would get this like prolonged, like two to three months sort of. You know, increase where people would come back and they'd watch and they do all that sort of stuff. They do that stuff now where they'll bring in a Stone Cold, they'll bring in a Goldberg, they'll bring in this guy, they'll bring in that guy. The you know they'll do their little whatever their little fixes are, their quote unquote fixes, and it'll last like a week and then it's nothing. And we saw this recently with Edge, where you know, oh man, here's Edge, and it was like, well, Edge is here, this is going to be great, and then you know it lasted, fuck, it lasted negative one week, or or if anything, it lasted a week, and then he was just an absolute uh, you know destruction on the ratings. So that's that's gonna be the interesting thing is 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 you know, presently right now with AEW, with a hot crowd and all that sort of stuff, that is is nipping at Raw's heels. Does Raw take that leap forward when these fans come back? Are people actually going to be more interested in Raw? Or, like you and I say, at the end of the day, the show fucking sucks. So, like, I don't know. Like, any new person that watches, there's no way they're going to see that and go, Ah, hey, you know what? This is great. I need to stay here. Unless the show actually does get good now that they're in front of fans... But that remains to be seen, and I'm not betting on 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 that happening whatsoever. So it's it's I'm I am fascinated to see what SmackDown and Raw look like this next week because we we you know we keep kicking that can down the road and saying all right when fans come back when fans come back when fans come back well they're going to be back and and what's the next thing that they're going to do and and you know one thing that we have been seeing is oh. WWE, they're gonna go nuts. They're gonna bring back Goldberg and Edge, and it's like those guys have been back. Like that's what we're left with. Hey, it's Edge. It's like, Edge is already here. Like what are you talking about? He's never. Well, lied.
0: Edge is Edge is Edge is proven to not move numbers. Right. Like,
2: and I, I love that. That's like, well, they're gonna b- break out the big guns. They're breaking out Edge. And it's like, okay, that never works. It's actually the opposite of working. It's it's a destruction of your ratings. Goldberg was already. In the company, like the, the, in the last year, and that you know worked a few years ago and doesn't really work anymore. And yeah, I'm sure the Rock and Cena and those sort of guys. But yeah, how sustainable is all that? And and that's
0: well, see, well Cena's coming back,
2: They're, right? It, you know, and that and that, that is big. I mean, I, I don't think yeah. there's any any question that that's going to be big.
0: It will be. Um, I think Goldberg will pop some numbers too. He always does. Um, Edge is a non-entity. Yeah, we all just,
2: just stop mentioning He's... Edge. When when people mention Edge with those other names, just stop. I mentioned it when He's... Edge came back. He he was never ratings. He was never a substantial ratings mover when he was around the first time. He, he, there's no way that you can point to any real business metrics that he helped, other than one show where they teased that he was going to fuck Lita on the show. That's the show that did really good ratings. Otherwise, not much else has done uh, tremendously well for Edge. So yeah, don't don't no, don't include him in your John Cena's rocks and and those sort of guys. Please do not.
0: Yeah, he comically had that week where he was on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. <laughs> And all of his segments bombed. Um, Yeah, he's not a guy. He's not a guy. Um, You know, Cena will help. Look, I expect them to bring out the, the big guns and the names from the past. But it's like you're saying. It's just like anything else with them. You know, it'll pop a week or three. But if the shows are of the same quality that they are now, Raw and SmackDown, because SmackDown fucking stinks. I don't care what anybody says. It's a terrible show. If the sh- and and the numbers reflect that, if if the shows stink, the people inevitably are going to go away. Doesn't matter who you bring back, because the novelty of John Cena being back will be over. The novelty of Goldberg being back will be over. Um, you know, so if the shows are are just you know now if the, the shows also improve, and you have fans and you have these big stars back, maybe they've got something there that can that can help juice them up a little bit. I don't have any faith that the shows aren't going to fucking stink. That's the problem. They're so embedded in their ways. And quite honestly, Dynamite makes them look so bad. I'm watching Dynamite last night and I'm just thinking the difference in quality between Dynamite and Raw or Dynamite and SmackDown. The gap is infinite. Like I can't even measure the gap. The difference in energy. The difference in just the quality of the show overall, it's like night and day. One feels like a vibrant, exciting, pro-wrestling show. And the other feels like this shitty, manufactured, overproduced trash. It, it's like, it's like not even close. So I don't think Dynamite clicking on all cylinders and putting out these high-energy, tremendous shows with stars that are over. Imagine that. I think that hurts WWE as well. The first couple weeks, I'm sure this Houston crowd will be amped up, but they're going to start going to some cities where they didn't sell a ton of tickets and the crowds aren't as amped up and crowds don't want to sit there and watch Jimmy Uso and Roman Reigns do community theater on a fucking screen for 40 minutes. And they're not. It's we all know it's not going to have the same energy.
2: Right, right. The, the thing I'm fascinated about, and you mentioned there with, with AEW, is that there's a we can point to people that they have made stars, even during the pandemic. Guys that that have have been built up, guys that are stars, guys that feel like stars, guys that are stars to that live audience. And and you look at WWE, and it's been a, the same problem they've had for years and years and years, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Is like you know, yes, okay, fans are back, but who are the fans getting excited about? Who who you know? No, we don't know exactly who, but like you know in your in your mind think of if you were a fan going to that show uh maybe not you jolanta but like if you were just sort of a you know a semi-casual wrestling fan who are you going that you're excited to see who's the guy that you're like oh man i can't wait to see that guy like i, I don't Whoa, know look at the ratings who right ratings. that's what i mean like that that's i think people have that kind of twist in their mind that like oh the fans are gonna go nuts and it's like yeah but who are they going nuts for well
0: you know? there's this miss there's this misnomer e? they're
2: gonna go nuts for Big E because
0: yeah that feud has no juice right <laughs> like that feud with Apollo has no juices. Drew Drew on. has
2: got to be less over than he was four months. But compare Drew at WrestleMania to Drew now. I mean, there's no. I mean, yes, there are no fans. There's nothing. I cannot imagine that Drew comes out there and gets anywhere near the reaction he would have gotten in March if if they were in front of fans.
0: He's feuding with Jinder Mahal over a sword,
2: right? While telling fucking terrible stories about Robert the Bruce and, <laughs> and Icarus and shit.
0: I feel so bad for that guy because his push started at the beginning of no yep. fans, and it and it and now we get fans. And he's in the mid card. But didn't we say that was going to happen to him? Yes, yes. Like that's exactly what And people that are smart
2: said. and listened would know that the second they were ready to move on and fans were going to come back they were going to kick him down and say all right thanks buddy thanks pal appreciate it all right now time for the big stars time for Brock and Goldberg and you know those sort of guys and 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 you know Yeah.
0: It's amazing how much we get right on this show. Yeah,
2: people it- should really start listening more. I mean we we have a lot of people that do listen but more people should probably listen instead of arguing with us constantly about it. So
0: and uh, you know, and there's this misnomer, and I, I hate to keep pounding this, but this is my thing. And you know what, Rich, you know when I get on something, I don't let go of <laughs> no. it. Like I, I will get obsessed with it. Uh, there's this misnomer that Roman Reigns is this hot act. And $10 tier at Patreon.com, I did that right up a month ago, which shows statistically that the more SmackDown has focused on Roman Reigns, the lower the ratings have gone. It's a fallacy. It's not a hot act. It's not a hot story. Uh, you know, it, it, it just it's critically acclaimed. Those are two different things.
2: Yeah. Well, and, two... and, and even from a pro wrestling standpoint, too, you, you say critically acclaimed, but like we're now at a point where in, you know, July of 2021, there's nothing left for Roman. He's done. You know, I mean, the story who is left for him. He's destroyed
0: everybody, which is probably it's a, a bad story. Reason.
2: Yeah, that, that exactly. in, in, in its sense is a horrible story because now you're left going. Well, it's Cena. Know. Yeah. Right, or it's, or it's Drew moving over to
0: SmackDown. Which, what does that solve when Cena goes away again? Exactly. You haven't built anyone. And it's like, you know, that's that's kind of why I think that the Roman story has been a repellent for viewers. Because at some point, the viewers realize, well, he just burns through everyone. They don't – no one's a credible challenger. And Roman doing that community theater stuff with the Usos – Just isn't interesting to the viewer. It's, it's critics love it because the, in a vacuum, their performances are great. I mean, I've never denied that, that Roman is doing a tremendous job with this version of his character. And the Usos have done a good job uh, conveying their characters in this whole thing. But it's weird. It's not, it's weird. It's not pro wrestling what they're doing. You know, it started with the promos and, you know, mid match promos that they were doing early on. Now they don't even wrestle. Like these people never wrestle, Rich. They just converse backstage. It's it's bizarre. Uh, the the slowly deteriorating viewership of SmackDown, the more they have focused on, it shows that viewers are not into it, yeah. and the critics are starting to turn on it too. The critics are starting to see that it's repetitive, and 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 it never goes anywhere. And now the counter argument is, well, they're waiting for fans, and everything's on hold. Well, we'll find out. Uh, that that I think there's probably some truth to that. But it isn't just Roman. Nakamura wrestled Corbin eight straight weeks, and six of those weeks were singles matches. Um, Biggie and Apollo Cruz uh, wrestled each other fourteen out of sixteen weeks recently. They were in the ring together for the first time on January 1st of this year. They're still feuding on July 15th, and they essentially wrestle every week. I mean, it's a show where nothing ever happens and nothing ever progresses. And the viewers caught up with that before the critics did.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Because the viewers stopped watching. And I lay it out in my article. You go read it. You know, with statistical evidence. Right around January, the viewerships just started dropping. And I think with the benefit of hindsight and dropping, you know, steadily, the more they focused on Roman with Sasha not around. And I think with the benefit of hindsight, when you look at SmackDown, remember everybody credit when Roman came back and turned heel. We're like, oh, this is finally. And then SmackDown went up and we all kind of credited that to Roman. I think what we all forgot about is that also when they rolled out Thunderdome and all of the WWE ratings went up. So I don't even know. I don't even know if we could even credit Roman for bumping SmackDown last fall when he came back, because I think that had more to do with Thunderdome. And then those strong numbers through the fall and winter, the closer I looked at it and the closer I looked at the segments and what was on the shows, it correlated more with Sasha Banks and Bailey. And their whole program through the fall than it did with Roman, and then when Sasha and Bailey went away, well, when Sasha went away, and Thunderdome kind of lost its 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 uh uh you know, uh, what what am I lost its the charm stique, or
2: mystique or, or charm or whatever yeah or
0: or the 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 the, the you know the the new the factor newness the newness, the newness, yeah, the
2: newness yeah the yeah
0: starting in January when you know no more banks everyone's you know Thunderdome is old hat steady decline until July with the show firmly focused on Roman. So I, I'll take it a step further. I don't know if you can credit his heel turn and his character for bumping the ratings at any point. I mean, it, it's muddy. You, you can easily credit it to Thunderdome and Sasha Banks and her program with you know, And all the little spikes that they had in between were weeks that Sasha Banks wrestled. I mean, it's all right there. I'm not making any of this up. It even surprised me when I looked it up. So you know, it's like you're saying, getting back to your point. This is why they're bringing all these guys back. They don't have anyone on the roster right now. Who are these live crowds going to go nuts for?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, and that's and there's also you know, like you you mentioned it there, and I think it's a really good point where people say, oh, they're waiting for the crowds, they're waiting for the crowds, they're waiting for the crowds. Well, you know, we've been hearing that for for a long time, and I get that. I, I absolutely understand it. Booking wrestling in front of a you know an empty audience is not easy, and and and. You know they have to do these shows because that's the tv contracts or whatever they don't have the benefit of going away or doing all that sort of stuff the problem with that though and 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 i understand i understand everything that was up against them in the last year i totally get it but being complacent and just kind of saying ah whatever ah, who cares who cares who cares it is very difficult in any line of work in any sort of especially in creative endeavors it is very hard to kind of turn it off if, if under the assumption that they turned it off and said hey fuck it just do whatever for eight months and then when fans are back we'll, we'll, we'll turn it back on again but it is very difficult to just say okay let's go now okay now it's go time like it do you really i mean how many people honestly believe that all this stuff that we've seen from them book for the last two years now that just overnight it's just gonna all change because f- fans are back that all that's all the rematches all the dumb stories all the stuff that doesn't make sense all the nonsensical stuff like that's all gonna stop because fans are back like in one week it's just gonna go okay now we're on we're in business again okay Let's go. Like, I don't buy that. And even if that is the intention, I don't think you easily switch from, hey, let's just fuck around for two years to, okay, now let's go. And again, I don't honestly believe that they get there. I don't believe that that Vince McMahon approves a minute rust script and says, aha, this show is complacent. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is just just a, a show that we're going to put on the air because we have we have to put something on the air and who cares, we'll get back at it next week and then next week and then next week and then sometime we'll have fans back again. Like, I... I honestly don't believe that there's any way possible that he doesn't think that these scripts are good, that what they're doing is good. You, you know, that's that's another part of that that sort of argument that I'm always like, so you think that they've been making bad shows for two years? Like, on purpose? I, I don't. I, I just don't buy it. I, I just don't.
0: So you don't buy the holding pattern theory at all?
2: I mean, I get it, I guess, but I don't know that... I mean, A, I, 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 a, I don't buy it. Maybe you're holding off some stuff for the Return of Life crowds, but I that's more of a... That's an April 2020 thing. I don't buy it in April of 2021 that you're still saying, ah, hold, we'll hold it off. Like, I mean, I, I get where in April and May of last year when you're thinking, oh, this thing's going to be in and out in, you know, five, six months or, or two months or whatever. I totally get it from that step. I don't think that now into 2021, you're still like, ah, we'll hold it off, hold it off, hold it off. Like, and even if that is the case, even if they truly do or, or truly were trying to just hold things off, I think it's a really bad strategy because I, I, I think it's just so difficult to to, to, to get it back going. And just say, okay, now let's make good shows again. With what? You, you know what like, I Like, I don't know. In any sort of creative standpoint, and uh, any sort of creative endeavor, I don't think you can just say, okay, now I'm going to be good again. After intentionally being bad for two. I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, I'm wrong.
0: I think bringing in the big names, will mask it a little bit. Because there's going to be some excitement around that. Yeah, it always does,
2: though. But we've seen these things again. It's like, there's nothing new and unique. I mean, that, that's the other thing. People pretending that this is a big deal to bring Goldberg back. And, and it's like alright, yeah, we've seen Goldberg back like five times already, you know, Edge has never left, you know, yeah, Cena will be kind of unique and different, but, you know, I don't, what are you going to get out of Cena? You think he's going to go out there and have these incredible fucking 20-minute matches? Dude's got to film a movie in another month, like, there's no bring
0: way. Bring back The Fiend. Oh. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> you know, to them, that's, you <laughs> that's know. That's
2: going to get the ratings going for sure, yeah, I
0: don't know. To them, no, that's a big thing. Yeah. They think that's a big thing, Right. I'm curious how live crowds react to the Alexa Bliss stuff. We haven't seen that, except at WrestleMania, um, and that was just an utter disaster—the Bray, the Bray Wyatt match, the the fiend match at WrestleMania. Um, so I'm curious how they'll react to the to that kind of stuff, the Alexa's Funhouse and um, lost my train of thought there for a second. And the you know. Um, the Roman Reigns on the, you know, on the big screen. Like, th- these are all things we don't know how the live crowds are going to react to any of this. And maybe they'll change some of these things up. Um, you know, maybe these were just non-fan era kind of thing. You know, in other words, maybe they'll cut back on the time where we see Roman in what looks like the lobby of the Courtyard Marriott, you know, talking to the Usos and Paul Heyman, and they'll do more things in front of, in the ring in front of the fans, because there are fans. We don't know anything. But I'm kind of with you. I'm 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 kinda playing devil's advocate here, but at the end of the day, these shows are what they are. They fucking suck. And I just think it's ingrained in them. They think this stuff is good. It's not. Um and it's also not in... like
2: I mean, this wasn't a critically acclaimed show like three years ago. Right? Right.
0: <laughs> like what are right, we right,
2: pretending right. about? It's... Like this is
0: Yeah. So it'll it'll cover up some of the warts for a few weeks when they bring back some of these names and um I'm sure Roman Reigns will beat Cena, and I'm sure their long, long long-term plan is Roman Reigns versus uh, The Rock in Dallas at WrestleMania in the Jerry Dome. Uh, The Rock would come back for that, because The Rock could then attach his name to whatever fucking attendance figure they want to put on it. I'm sure they'll have it be six figures um, if they could pull it off. And The Rock will want to be... He'll want a piece of that. So, and they could afford to pay him, obviously. That's not an issue. But The Rock isn't going to come back for just any old program and a 50,000-seat building. But he'll do Dallas, I think, and, and wrestle Roman Reigns. But again, that's temporary.
2: Yeah, like, that's one thing, one night, one build, you know, one run, one month, couple months, whatever. Yeah, it's... it's,
0: it's... Yeah, you know, What are we doing to get whoever, Big E, ready for the more permanent spot? And, you know, the answer is nothing. I mean, the answer, you know, you can spin it all you want. Um, There's no more. Big E is in, in no different of a place today than he was literally seven or eight years ago. He had the Intercontinental title. When did he win the Intercontinental title? Like 2014?
2: Yeah, I think we, uh, we, we popped up that number not that long ago. But yeah, it was like 2014 or whatever. I was watching some old you know, SummerSlam or some old Royal Rumble, and they're like,
0: Big Intercontinental Champion Big E Langston. And I'm like, oh my God, like nothing's changed. It's in the same spot. He's in a yeah. mid-card feud over the Intercontinental title. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, the ratings, look, I'm sure they'll... Look, if they don't get a bump... For like the first month, they're in real deep
2: trouble. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That that is that's, that's crisis mode now.
0: You know, from a, or at least from a ratings perspective. Right. 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 We know they've got their contracts. Yeah, Business
2: wise is fine, but yeah, in crisis, in like we need a creative, <laughs> or they don't care. I don't know. Maybe they just don't care anymore. So.
0: Well, you know, do you think Peacock cares? If I, I, I would say away?
2: Peacock, Fox, and USA would care at some point, that's, pretty soon. That's yeah. what I mean.
0: At some point, you know, and it's like, you know, I I know. It doesn't look like the bubble's gonna burst and all that, but it, it, you, you you gotta reach a point where eventually they start to care and put some heat on you. You know, there was some talk that the reason the Reigns, Mysterio, Helena cell was moved to SmackDown is because Fox was like, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, why does why does Peacock get everything? Our ratings are in a fucking free fall. Why don't you throw us a bone?" You know, so if that's the case, then maybe the networks are chirping a little bit. USA has always never been shy. You know, they're the ones that forced them into the 24-7 title and, and have, you know, they pitched that idea. So, um, you know, it's, it's, if they're telling the networks, hey, look, when we get fans back, this is going to be the magic cure-all and then it doesn't fix anything, then maybe they start getting pressure from their these people who are paying them billions of dollars right right
2: right and 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 there's there's precedent for that happening both from you know stockholder standpoint and tv show standpoints because we know about the you know the the from stockholder standpoints we can go back a couple years ago with the paul Heyman and eric bischoff thing and then the uh you know a year later then saying oh well it's you know we have to cut back on house shows that all that's gonna make our money better and like then it didn't happen and it's 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 all about kind of kicking the can down the road but there's only so many times you can do that before it's like okay What's going on here? <laughs> like, like, look at... You well, know.
0: Tw- Okay, well, look at it this way. When it's 2023 and some of these contracts are up, here's the problem they're going to run into. If they don't have a big gap between them and Dynamite, now they're competing for the same contracts with Dynamite. Yeah. Whereas if those contracts come up today, they're probably not negotiating on the same level, uh, field or, or whatnot, because Dynamite is still only two and a half years old or whatever, and they, you know, still... You know, uh, they're peaking at a million viewers and a point four every week. They're not sustaining that, but everything could look very different when these deals come up. And if they've and if AEW is now six years established and very firmly not going anywhere and doing ratings on par with Monday Night Raw,
2: and have a content library too. Don't forget about that. That's right now they have almost nothing, but in six years they'll have rolling
0: out a second show, yeah. rolling out the quarterly specials. Bingo. They'll have all those pay-per-views that you know, why do you think they film 19 matches mm-hmm. for every fucking dark? Okay, so now this is the this is the other problem WWE will run into is where for the first time ever, they're going to have legitimate competition for these television deals. Okay? Which I guess you can say in theory works out for everyone, but uh, you know, on on one hand, but on the other side, it, it it does hurt you because you they can these networks can walk away from the negotiating table and say, "All right, well, we'll just talk to the other guy." You know, it's it's so it changes. Yeah, the game.
2: And, and it's not it's actually not without a hundred percent precedent because and, and I know you know this, but there's probably a lot of listeners that don't remember as well what happened on on you know when when WWE moved to TNN and then the new TNN uh, eventually spiked TV. A uh, big thing happened right around then is the Ultimate Fighter got huge, and basically when WWE said okay we're ready to renew Spike TV said no we're not interested you guys can go fuck off go find something else to do right. we got with ultimate fighter and then what we're going to do is in a year later we're going to pay you know an eighth of the money or the night whatever it was to impact because well we'll get some wrestling that's fine but we really we got ultimate fighter we don't need you guys anymore right and right. and that's a big thing because then what it was left with and this is going to be an issue that's I think always going to happen with, with, uh, with, with WWE and with any kind of wrestling property, unless things really, really dramatically change, is there's only X amount of networks that really want to have wrestling on their television. There's very few. And that's what happened in that time when Spike said, hey, no, we're good. We're out. WWE had no leverage. And USA said, ah, OK, <laughs> you want to come back to USA? That's fine. Well, here's your offer. And WWE went, well, that offer's not good. We're going to get some other offers. And guess what happened, Joe? They didn't get any other offers. Yeah. And then they signed with USA for a fraction of what they were hoping to get out of them. They ended up making out in the end and they ended up, you know, making it work out uh, w- with USA. But it's not without precedent that, they, that they, you know, those networks, whatever happens in those three years, they might say, ah you know, we're good with wrestling. We're done. You know, Fox might say we're good and we're done. And then that deal's done and they don't care anymore. And they're going to move on to whatever their new thing is. And, or maybe and,
0: Fox says, "Let's take a look at the growing brands, right, that right, right. If be- we want
2: to have wrestling, and, that, and that's and that right. was going to be my point is that if you're a network that does want wrestling, okay, so let's take out any network that doesn't want wrestling, which is most of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like ninety yeah. percent of major networks don't want wrestling on their on their on their television as of right now. I don't think that's changing in three years, but maybe I'm wrong. So you're left with whatever channels there are, and now you have this other thing that you go, well, what, you know, we're going to pay a billion dollars to these guys, and their ratings are going down." and their demo numbers are going down or we can pay these guys probably we can pay them a little bit less like I'd imagine that they'd probably take a little bit less but you know it's still a pretty substantial increase or whatever and say hey you know what let's let's talk to those guys and see what's up I mean it's not good I mean it's and and that's the thing where people keep saying oh the TV deals the TV deals the TV deals yeah the TV deals are good now but yeah you got to get these things up because that neg- you got to sit down at that negotiating table as well and 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 uh and figure that out then and yeah if you have a competing pro-wrestling you know, property that, that, that their numbers are pointing up and your numbers are pointing down, that's, that's not good.
0: It's also a lot harder to walk into a negotiating room and claim that uh, we're, we are a victim of cord-cutting and declining television ratings like everybody else is and everyone consumes us in a number of different ways when your competitor is growing. Because then you could, you know, USA could turn around and say, well, hold on now. How is this other show showing consistent growth then? Right. How are they bucking the trend, and why can't you do that?
2: Yeah, you're not allowed to say, "Well, we have a lot of YouTube viewers," and they can go, "We don't fucking care."
0: (laughs) You know, cool, dude. So, so that's that's why AEW's growth is something that WWE absolutely needs to keep their eye on, and this is why WWE has made attempts to snuff that shit out. Yeah. Uh, because that that's a bad uh, reflection on them if if someone in the same business as them can show growth when WWE's entire you know uh. Their whole mantra has been, "Well, we're just declining at the same rate as everybody else." So, it's uh, it, it's artificial. We still have the same number of fans we always had. They're consuming in different ways. Well, I don't know. Someone in the same business as you seems to be on the upswing. See, this is what I'm saying. This could be the the situation that they're in, come negotiating time. Yeah. Um. But anyway, the next few weeks, you know, we'll see if they don't pop. At least a bit. I think that's an enormous red flag that people have just said, you know what? We know it stinks. Uh, you know, so what? Bill Gober is back. So what? There's fans, but I suspect that the numbers will pop over the next couple of weeks, just like they did for Thunderdome. Uh, the atmosphere change is going to matter to some people, but then I think the quality of the show is just going to run them off.
2: Again. Yeah, and, there, and there's also the thing too with you know, in, in a couple of weeks now, you're not going to have NBA Finals. You're not going to have any major sports. Uh, and it yeah. won't be until September that you really start getting going again with Monday Night Football. So there's a chance that Raw is going to look good anyway over the next two months. But how you know how sustainable is that? And what you know do we have the same conversation now next year, next May, May 2022, where hey they're down again, and 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 yeah, you know we can point to this little hey, well fans came back and, and numbers went up or whatever. But yeah, what happens when Monday Night Football comes back? What happens? You know because what happens every single year over the last five, ten years or whatever is a little bit of rise, a little bit of a drop, a little bit of a rise, a bigger drop, a little bit of a rise, a bigger drop. And, and, and that's that's been the issue is that they just the unsustainability of, of, of the new people that come in or, or the old fans that they get back. And, and you know, once a, a, a comparable sports or something they want to watch comes up, then, you know, they're gone again. So.
0: So by the end of 2021, at any point, does Dynamite beat Raw in the 18 to 49 demographic in any given week?
2: <sighs> I would say were
0: within s- to give you context. Yeah. They were within 8 percent this week. Where Raw did, I forget what Raw did exactly, but obviously Dynamite did 1.025 million total viewers. They were within 8% of Raw's 18 to 49. I don't... Rich creature on the spot. I they don't think so. The-
2: I don't think this year, but I could say in 2022, i probably see them doing that.
0: Do they catch Raw at any, in any single... Well, given oh, hold thing? on.
2: You know, actually, now that I think about it, no. I take that back. I think they do it in like November or December or somewhere around there. In the demo? Yeah.
0: How about total viewers?
2: I think total viewers will be sustainable for a little bit, but I would say the same thing. I think November, December, particularly against them, some good NFL games uh, and, and the right way to, to play it. Yeah, I, I would say they could, I, I think so. Maybe by the end of the year, November, December.
0: So you're crediting that more to raw continuing to fall or dynamite. Continuing a, little to fall? a little bit of a and B,
2: a little bit of a and B. I think what it's going to take is it's going to take a particularly bad raw and a particularly good dynamite to make it happen. But, but, We're going to get inch, we're going to inch closer and closer and closer to the point where I think it's going to be a a more semi-regular thing next year. But I think this year with, you know, sports going away and them kind of emptying out the chamber a little bit with like, you know, "Ah, here's John Cena, here's The Rock, here's Goldberg. That can sustain them at least for a little bit. But I mean, it's when NFL comes again, though, once Monday Night Football comes again, though, I don't know. That's...
0: So dynamite promises Daniel Bryanson does 1.3 million viewers one week. Raw's going up against two undefeated teams week nine in the yeah, NFL.
2: Right, right. You know what I mean? Or it's a weird, yeah. it's like a weird holiday week or what? I don't know where the holidays land or whatever, but I could see one of those days doing it for sure. I, I don't know if it becomes a consistent thing yet, though.
0: Yeah, Chiefs are playing the Packers or something, and they, you know they Raw does 1.31 million, Dynamite does 1.34 million or so. Yeah, I I, I could see. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's, they're within striking distance. It's, it's so wild to say that, but I mean, they really are.
2: All right. Let's, uh, let's get to, uh, Paul Orndorf here. We're now an hour into the show. So, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do here, but, uh, we'll fit. Well, hey, you know what? We'll get down to business. We'll figure it out. But, uh, anyway, I want to talk about, uh, the life uh, of Paul Orndorf here as well. You promised that this might be the entire show. So, who knows? We might go another two hours on Paul Orndorf. We'll see. Well, uh, what
0: I said was, I think, it would be possible to do three hours.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you mentioned this as well of doing a deep dive about Paul Orndorff. Uh, and after watching a lot of stuff from Paul Orndorff this week, uh, I don't think that's uh, an, an unrealistic possibility that we can pick a, a time period of Paul Orndorff and and, and do a deep dive, a VOW deep dive on uh patreon.com slash to wrestling. So I'm in, uh, I think you're probably in as well. A lot of it is accessible. A lot of it is able. You know, you can find it pretty easily. So uh, I'm definitely down because I have been watching this guy a lot this week, and, and I've always been a big, I've always been a fan of Paul Orndorff. But I really dug in deep this week, and obviously, it, it sucks that it takes like someone passing away uh, for you to do that. But but man, I've come away this week just as such a huge fan of Paul Orndorff. Just love and 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 a fan of pro wrestling too, because it you know you watch this Paul Orndorff Hulk Hogan thing. We just got done talking about how horde of a show. Raw is and Smackdown is or whatever and this company was so good. They were so good, Joe. What they knew they knew how to do everything. This Hogan Horndorf thing is fucking perfect. It's so good, it's so simple. It's just fantastic pro wrestling, and all it did was sell a shit ton of tickets everywhere that they ran. It sold fucking 60,000 tickets in Toronto, and then another 30,000 in the next town, and 30,000 in the next town, and 30,000 in the next town. It sold a fucking million tickets over a week or whatever, and it's just like, Jesus Christ. Like This company used to be so good at doing just the simple things. It used to be so good at pro wrestling. Joe and Paul Orndorff, very good at pro wrestling as well. So anyway, uh, Paul Orndorff uh, passed away at seventy-one. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. How do you want to, how do you want to start this, uh, discussion of, uh, uh of Orndorfer? What, what have you done this week when, when you heard the news, unfortunately about, uh, his, 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 passing?
0: Well, before people get on your case, I don't think there was a week where they sold a million tickets, I'm, but they, I'm I think,
2: being facetious, but yeah, the, it was,
0: you know, how people are, the, oh, know, th- th- know. Th- that, know. that, that one wasn't million. actually
2: a million. It was 660. It was a <laughs>
0: hundred and, um, a yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. something thousand or something, but yeah, look, he was Hulk Hogan's top drawing opponent. I think that's, uh, Uh, Safe to say, the thing about Paul Orndorff is, and I have said this a million times over the years, you've heard me say it, when we do our Hall of Fame shows and things like that um, every fall, when we do our Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame shows, and I get frustrated when people suggest borderline candidates for the Hall of Fame, or we're discussing a candidate that I don't think really has much of a case. My go-to line every time is, if Paul Orndorff isn't in the Hall of Fame, how can Miko Satomura be in the Hall of Fame or just pick a name out of you know someone who's been on. How can Edge be in the Hall of Fame if, if Paul Orndorff, he's my line. If you can't convince me that someone had a better career than Paul Orndorff, they're not a Hall of Famer because he's not in and I don't think he's ever going to get in and maybe that needs to be reexamined. And in a year where someone dies is normally when people do that. So maybe people will talk Dave into putting him back on the ballot so people can re examine. He, he always
2: does. If I remember correctly, he always will put a guy that dies back on the ballot, just at least for that year to, 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 to test the waters. So it'll be interesting.
0: Because then people study them yeah, like we, like we me. just did. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you learn more and then maybe you will change your vote. But to me, he's always been my, my measuring stick for the Hall of Fame. If your career didn't measure up to Paul Orndorff, you don't belong in a Hall of Fame uh, because this guy uh, had an incredible career. And I think the, the thing about Orndorff when it comes to WWF is, is I think a lot of people, uh, when they think of Hulk, the Hogan era, which really uh, the national expansion, all of that, they, they automatically think of Piper as the main antagonist of Hulk Hogan. But Piper didn't draw the money with Hogan that Orndorff did. Orndorff drew more money with, with Hogan. It was Orndorff on the road every night against Hogan uh, in the sold-out buildings. And it wasn't just that 86 run that people think about, which was the big one. Orndorff feuded with Hogan right out of the gate in 84. Okay? Their first match in Madison Square Garden in 84 drew 000, a reported 26,000 fans. That's not even, 80, that's not even the, 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 the run where he turned on Hogan, which was the big money run. He had he was drawing money with Hogan two years before that when he first came into the company in '84, you know, and then of course they they paired him up with Piper and all that, but um, so he was very interested, you know, Orndorff. He he often doesn't get named for whatever reason. They talk about Hulk Hogan, they talk about Piper, Mister T, uh, Cindy Lauper, who of course uh, was enormously important uh, during that era, Randy Savage. But it's like Orndorff sometimes gets left out, and uh, you know that was never right, and it shouldn't be the case you know, and, 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 you know, with the exception, you know, Hogan's in a universe of his own, but who else during that era drew the money that Orndorff did? You want to argue Randy Savage? Um, who else is there? I mean, again, you know, Piper, you want to throw him in the conversation? maybe Andre, maybe, uh, but you know, it was Orndorff on the road every night with Hulk Hogan, you know, popping these big houses and setting all kinds of records. And at the end of the day, he ended up drawing more money with Hulk Hogan than, than, than anybody else. So uh, from that standpoint, I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, it really bothers me when I see younger fans, fans of a certain age, or maybe newer fans who, who don't understand how wrestling worked 30 years ago. I saw a comment that really bothered me on Twitter. Where somebody was like, well, how come this guy never won any titles? Yeah. And it's like, who fucking cares? I mean, it, it's a different era. They, it, 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 people didn't get turns. It wasn't everyone gets a turn. You know, you, It wasn't this you deserve it bullshit. It wasn't, uh, well, it's this guy's turn to hold a title. You, they put titles on you when you, when you when you had the ability to draw money. And he didn't need the title to draw money because Hogan was the champion. And he drew all that money with Hogan. He didn't need a belt. It's like the Jake Roberts thing. You know, Jake Roberts never needed a title. Didn't want a title.
2: Didn't want a title. <laughs> he didn't want it. He has mentioned that like, times. He's like, I don't want to carry that shit around. I'm good.
0: <laughs> you know, you know it, it's like, you know, he never won any titles. Who cares? I mean, geez, you know, it's, it, it's like the guy drew money from the day he came in the company till just about, you know, he kind of petered out towards the end in 87 after the second face turn. But, you know, he, and look, in, in, in another, era, you know, it, it's a shame because he could have been a world champion, but he had Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair blocking him at every turn. You know, that's, that's some stiff competition. I mean, you know, these are two of the greatest money-drawing world champions of all time, and these were his world championship opponents, you know? So I guess it's a, a good time to rewind it back. I mean, you know, he starts in Florida, and I haven't seen a ton of that stuff. Florida, especially in that era, is a big blind spot for me.
2: We had somebody um, link us to a YouTube page. I've not looked at it yet, though. Have you, have
0: didn't you have a ton of in Florida. That? Yeah, Didn't have a ton of Florida. Okay. Um, you know, and then he ends up in Mid-Atlantic, and that's where he has the tag team with Snuka and they hold those titles, producer help us out, um, probably a, ha- a couple, a handful of times. If not, uh, they definitely had some prominent runs, Snuka and Orndorf with those Mid-Atlantic tag team titles, probably around 1978, 1979 is what I'm talking here. And that's when Orndorff also had his first batch of matches against Ric Flair. He would have more matches against Flair in 82, 83, when he left Mid-South and went to Georgia, but he also had some flair matches in those days as well. Uh, how many tag title reigns did he have with So
2: Snuka? it looks like actually only one. I'm pretty surprised. Okay. I thought it was multiple <laughs> ones as well. He, he ends up, you know, he does Southeastern tag titles with Dick Slater, the mid-South titles with, with DiBiase, but as far as the one I'm also about Yeah, run. it's just it's just with Snuka, and that's in late, uh, actually December, yeah, late December 1978 to uh, April 1979. So not a super, super long one either, so.
0: No, but a famous tag team with, in, in a tag team territory. Right, mm-hmm. So, you know, as his mid Atlantic run, then he ends up in mid South around 80, 81 and, uh, pretty much always in the top mix. He came in. I don't know if he came in as a baby face, but he was a babyface uh, for a long stretch there as they, as they built him up. And what happened was in his first big memorable angle, they did a deal where he allegedly overslept and Jake Roberts took his place in the title match and ended up winning the title the North American title. And that was the impetus for Orn- for Orndorff turning heel. Uh because he felt he got screwed in that scenario when he uh slept in and missed his title shot. And then he ended up in a long feud with Ted DiBiase. It was Paul Orndorff and Bob Roop. Yep. I was, was watching, I was
2: watching some stuff from that. Uh, if you go on it's YouTube. It's all on the network. It's yeah, yeah. It's network. all on the network. And there's a bunch of stuff on, uh, on YouTube from that as well. But yeah, the network, uh, whether you're a, uh, an Australia slash uh, Doxland, where, where are you from again? In, in,
0: I'm from U- Doxland, UK.
2: Doxland, UK. And I'm from, uh, I think, Melbourne, Australia, McDonald's in Melbourne, Australia. So slash uh, express if you uh, still want to live yeah. uh, outside. But Peacock has started uploading some of the stuff and that mid-south stuff. I think they uploaded pretty much all of 81 through, what was it, 84. I think they, is on Peacock, Peacock now.
0: Peacock just did a huge mid south dump yeah. just in time to check this stuff out. If you're not on a VPN, but definitely get the VPN. Yeah, VoiceRest. wrestling.com slash uh,
2: express. Make sure you do that.
0: I mean the old the old network is so good. I mean i i dabbled great. i dabbled with the Peacock version. I it fucking sucks. I don't. I think at this point. Even when Peacock has everything, I'm going to stay on the old oh, one and pay more. Same, for.
2: same. I always I always it's- go to that. Yeah, I go for like stuff that just like something that just happened, I'll watch it on Peacock. Like when I'm watching yeah, NXT yeah. in your house or whatever, I'll I'll just go to Peacock, whatever. Not not a problem at all. But yeah, if I'm going old school, I can't understand how to get there on Peacock and it's kind of a mess and I got to figure out the seasons. Okay, what season of Mid-South am I trying to watch here? I'm like fuck this shit. I I'm going to live in Australia for a minute and then I go to Australia and then I watch whatever I want of Mid-South. So, yeah. All that is on yeah. there and, and he's in a lot of the thumbnails and, and uh, you can do it. It's not that hard to figure out what episodes of, of Mid-South to put him in, but like, yeah, I forget the one that I was watching, but yeah, he's, it's like, it's like a bearded Paul Orndorff cutting a very heated promo on Bob Roop. But uh, yeah, and he's, he's upset about it. It's, it's right at the time period that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Cause he eventually beats Roberts, I think for the title. I think it was Roberts that he beat, but he won the title as a heel because Roberts beat the grappler. And uh, w- when, uh, when Orndorff overslept, he turns heel, he eventually wins the title, and then he ends up in the, in the feud in 82 is when it's him and Bob Roop, and it's DiBiase and Dick Murdoch. Okay, uh, That's the feud at that point. And so DiBiase and, and, and Orndorff are feuding at the top for the title, and they have that uh, famous TV match where a DQ counts as an actual fall. like the D, A DQ is the same as a pinfall, right? And Orndorff... Wins the title back with the help of Roop behind the referee's back, right? And he's celebrating, but then he decks DiBiase with the title belt after the match, and then the referee disqualifies him. So he loses, and DiBiase gets the title back. So that was another, like, clever angle that they did on TV, and then DiBiase ends up getting the belt back. And then they kind of did a similar repeat of the Jake Roberts angle where – Orndorff, it was it, 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 it was either going to be Orndorff or Roop challenging DiBiase for the title a couple weeks later. They hadn't decided yet, right? But then the day of the event, Bob Roop comes out, and ironically, incidentally, not ironically, but incidentally, this was Jim Ross's first night on commentary in his career was, the, was, was this show. So Bob Roop comes out, and he says, ah, you know, can't find Orndorff. I think he went crazy. The pressure got to him. Orndorff has left town, so it's going to be me versus Ted DiBiase tonight for the North American title. It's going to be me. It's not going to be Orndorff. He's history. He's gone. About halfway through the show, we see Paul Orndorff during another match, like coming into the arena with a bag over his shoulder and he's drenched in sweat. Right, and by this point in time, Bob Roop had already beaten DiBiase for the title with the help of one man gang and Skandor Akbar, right, who they paid off to help. So. One-man gang attacks DiBiase, and then Roop puts him in like a reverse figure four. DiBiase taps out because one-man gang had destroyed his leg and all that, right? So Roop's the champ. Orndorf comes. You see Orndorf walking into the arena uh, halfway through the show after this match takes place, right? So he's all drenched in sweat, and he's in his street clothes, and he says his car wouldn't start, and he couldn't get to the arena. And uh, he, he found out that Bob Roop was in the back, bragging everybody that he had outsmarted him. And everything. And while Bob Roop was taking a shower, he went through Bob Roop's bags and he found his <laughs> car keys. Yeah. And he goes in this pocket and he's like, and I found this, like some fucking, uh, uh, some kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, hose or something from the car that Bob Roop ripped off of his vehicle. So he goes, I jogged six miles to get to the <laughs> arena. And Bob Roop, you're going to pay. So that was Bob Roop turning on Orndorf and uh, slipping himself into the title match. And and what's great about that promo, and I, did you watch the promo? I, I did,
2: yeah, yeah, that's one of the So, what's great
0: about it is Orndorff admits that he paid off Akbar and One Man Gang. He admits that. Yeah, oh yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like uh, Roop did what I would have done. You know, we paid off, uh, we, we had a whole plan. You know, we paid off One Man Gang and Akbar, but that was my title match. Like, he, he makes no bones that he was going to do the same nefarious thing that Bob Roop was going to do, but Bob Roop. Fucked with his car, made sure he couldn't get to the arena, and then he won the title from, uh, from, from DiBiase instead of Orndorff. So Orndorff then chases Roop for a while, for a couple months, but ends up never winning the title again and leaving the territory. But he was always in that top mix in Mid-South, and he had those two very memorable angles: the one where he overslept and Jake Roberts took his spot, and then the one where Bob Rube fucked with his car and <laughs> he jogged <laughs> to <in> the arena <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and took his hose out of his car, to the, yeah,
0: took the serpentine
2: then, belt out of his car so he couldn't yeah, start he or something. Some yeah.
0: belt, he takes a belt out of his pocket and he goes, "A car can't start without this," and he holds <laughs> yeah. it up.
2: And, Which Showlands and, and Rich Grades do not know what that part is and go, oh, "Okay, well, sounds good enough to us." Yeah, I'm sure it's a
0: yeah. Really so
2: cars, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would have been the same, you know, if this would have been 19- 2021 instead of 1982, you know, he would have been able to take an Uber to the arena and he would have made it in time. But this is 1982. And I like the added touch of like making sure that his golf shirt was wet to imply that he was on this sweaty jog to the arena because he couldn't because uh, he couldn't get a ride. You know, it's just like those small details. And uh, yeah, that just also happened to be Jim Ross's first night on commentary so
2: and he looks like yeah, he's like 14 years old too he's like ah, how's it going yeah this is jim ross and it's just like oh my god he's so young yeah it's like 19 it was 1982 right and i'm just like yeah. god how young was, this guy's been doing commentary for so long 1982 i wasn't born yet i wasn't even It wasn't even a flicker in the eye you know what i mean I was, was many many years until i'd be born so
0: yeah so then he um uh, like i said he feuded with bob roop on the road they did a bunch of uh um I'm almost positive they did a title match in the Superdome, but it may not have been the main event, because by then Junkyard Dog had come in, and um, but but I know that Roop and Orndorf had a uh, a title match in the Superdome. Um, I'm trying to look at. Are you on the page already? Maybe you can uh, I can
2: I can get it. So you're looking for a Superdome? Between look
0: up 82. Orndorf's 82, and I think he faced Roop in the Superdome, but I don't think it was the main event. Because this is where they were. Um, there were. Junkyard Dog was in by then. I'm sure he um, was in the main event mix. Maybe. Um,
2: so your main event was Mr. Olympia and Junkyard Dog versus the Samoans. So yeah, J- Dog got it. But there's semi main event for them for, for Rupe and Orndorf. It looks like the actual match was because it was a lights out match, uh the, the main event.
0: Oh but, the tag was a lights out.
2: Yeah, yeah, but it yeah. they went eighteen minutes in the semi main. So so for all intents and purposes, the, the, the main Who event. Who did Ernie
0: Lad face on that? Ernie
2: show? Ladd faced the assassin and beat him by count out.
0: Did they bring in anyone from out from around the country?
2: Uh, Andre was there. Uh, he was in okay. a match. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else wasn't local. What did Andre do on that show? Uh, he uh, teamed with Dick Murdoch and they went against Harley Race in the One Man Gang. That's a, oh, they
0: brought in Harley Race. That's a
2: hell of a hell of a tilt there. Right, yeah, so went 15 minutes uh, DQ finish for Harley Race and One Man Gang. So
0: this didn't really have a clear cut main, but so Roop and Orndorff was the title match though for sure. Yes, yeah, that, it, was
2: the, it was the lone title match on the show.
0: And that was probably their blow off. They may have done the loop after that, but because he was off to Georgia uh pretty Orndorf was yeah mm-hmm. soon after and he never won the title he never got it back from Roop so you know that Superdome show was pretty much the uh was pretty much uh, Orndorf's blow off after a really, really good mid South run from probably seventy nine eighty to about, you know, mid mid eighty two. And again, all of that is on the network. Whatever version you're on, because they just dumped it all onto mm-hmm. Peacock. And you could watch all of that stuff. You, the Jake Roberts stuff is probably on on that network dump. Because that would have been either 80 or 81. I think it would have been 81.
1: The Jake Roberts, uh, the
2: Jake Roberts stuff. Let me see if I yeah, can... Yeah, Orndorf
0: f- beat Roberts in, in July of 81. Okay, yeah. That's so I think the they, they
2: have 81 through... I think it's 84, 85 all the way up there. So yeah, you're
0: good. Because that it. was a dome show too. But you'll get all the TV angles and all that shit. Uh, so... Yeah, that's, uh, and then he wins it from, and then DiBiase beats Orndorf for the title in late 81. And that goes into the 82 stuff that we're talking about with, uh, with DiBiase and Roop and all that. And then, uh, yeah, so that's it for him. He was there for about three years, but it was a great run. So as you can see, long before he got to WWF, this guy's a headliner. I mean, he's working important matches in the Superdome, um, for Mid South. And before that, in Mid Atlantic, he's, you know, he's, I wonder how many Ric Flair matches he had, um, in that 79 run in mid Atlantic. I mean, I know he had a bunch once he got to Georgia, but I'm sure he wrestled Ric Flair uh, more than a handful of times during that mid Atlantic run before he even got to uh, uh, mid South. So uh, this guy was a headliner years before the Hogan stuff. And I don't know if a lot of people know that. So he leaves mid South. He goes to Georgia. He wins the North American ti- – not the North American title. It's the national title. The national title at least – I know I'm going to be right this time. All right, I know let's I see. Hold on. So, what
2: me. number you got? Before you blur it out, think about it, and then I'll uh, I'll let you know.
0: Well, I don't know what he's at, but at least okay. three or four times. I mean, he had to have held uh, –
2: National title four times. Four times national champion.
0: During national that champion. run. Uh,
2: during uh, during, that yeah, until 83. Run. Until 83, yeah.
0: I think that's the only time – well, he may have been in Georgia early in his career too.
2: Yeah, there's one, I think. National heavyweight. Yeah, I think, I think you're right.
0: And these are, as a young wrestler, though, this was, right, his, right, right. this was his big run in Georgia, and this is where he had all those 60-minute draws with Ric Flair. Right? Which... Oh, no,
2: I'm sorry. They were all in 82, 82 and 83. So,
0: Okay, so he was never in Georgia
2: before. No, yeah. They're, okay. they're, no, I, I think he, he was in but I don't know if he won the titles uh, in there before. This oh, yeah. All... The, oh,
0: no. The, okay, yeah. The title runs were all in 82, 83. That I know for sure. Um, but I'm saying he may, Oh, was he in Georgia Georgia. before?
2: Yeah. I I don't know. off the top of my head.
0: He may have been in the seventies, but, um, the the big run that we're talking about was that 82, 83 run where he won the national title a bunch of times. And also where he had all those matches with Ric Flair Mm -hmm. and those 60 minute draws, which I've never seen any of them. Um, I don't know if any of them are on tape at this point. Um, I'd love to check one out. I'm interested in it now, but, um, you know, he wrestled flair all over the place. And yeah, it just goes to show. I mean, this guy, everywhere he went, and this is why I always talk about it to this day. If you can get over everywhere, you can get over anywhere. You know what I mean? And, and and that really relates to today, too, where you see these guys go to Japan or the Indies or wherever, and everywhere they go, they eventually get to the top of the card. Samoa Joe's a great example. He got over, obviously, in impact. In impact in ROH, he was the top guy. He goes to Noah. And he eventually gets to the top and gets a GHC title match with Masawa. Everywhere Samoa Joe went, he eventually ascended to the main event or became the ace of the company. So it stood to reason that at some point in WWE, he was gonna—he—he's—it's like you always say, the cream's gonna rise, you know. And he ended up being a main eventer in WWE and NXT, and then uh, uh, later on having title programs in, on the main roster. It's the same theory. Paul Orndorf had gotten over everywhere he went in his career. Long before he got to WWF, so you know it's just some some guys are just their stars, and this guy was a star everywhere, you know. And he leaves Georgia in uh, late '83, and and a lot of people because it's been marketed and presented that way. The night Hulk Hogan won the world title from the Iron Sheik, Paul Paul Orndorff wrestles Sal Belomo on that Madison Square Garden show, Salvatore Belomo, and that you know, and he's he's led to the ring by Roddy Piper and. Um, A lot of people think that's his WWF debut, but it's not. He was there in late 1983. They brought him in for uh, either the November or December, or both actually, um, television tapings. Now, he wasn't paired with Piper. He didn't have a manager at all. He did work heel. Um, The Monsoon Classic page has one of his very first matches against Ken Jugan, the jobber Ken (laughs) Jugan. And that's on the Monsoon Classic page. If you want to check it out, it's like a three-minute match against Ken Jugan. Um, it was either his first or second match that aired on TV in in November or December of '83. And it's it it's it's so great, Rich, because he beats the Jobber, and then Freddie Blassie comes down to ringside like clapping his hands and pointing like, ah, <laughs> I want to get my hands on this guy. Like <laughs> like I need to bring this guy into my stable. This guy's money. You know, and Ordorf's like pointing back at him, but it's like they're telling what they're telling you is he's in demand. This is yeah. a new star right, 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 in town, right. and all the heel managers, you know, want to get their claws. The easiest
2: story, guy. and they did it a thousand times. They're worth every single time. So,
0: yeah, but they really slow played it because I think the idea was we're going to bring this guy in. Okay, we're going to ice him a bit. We're not going to push him real hard until we get that title on Hogan, because like I said. It was either Hogan's first or second MSG main event after he beat the Iron Sheik. That and that was against Orndorf, because they brought Orndorf on at that MSG show. It was the first time they paired him with Piper, at least on tape. I don't know if he did some uh, non-televised house shows being managed by Piper. Because remember, Rich, I know you know this. The listeners might not. When McMahon brought in Piper, he didn't have he didn't think Piper was gonna wrestle for really him. Want him. He really wanted
2: him as a manager, manager, manager announcer guy, yeah.
0: Yeah, because of his mouth. Right. And it's crazy, but he thought Piper was too small. Mm-hmm. Piper's taller than Orndorf. Piper's not like a small guy. And that just goes to show what McMahon valued in those days. Like, even though Piper was probably six how tall was Piper? Six one, six two. He won the I short. I'd say guy.
2: probably six two. I mean, yeah, he he certainly wouldn't be out of place. You know, he'd be pretty big in in, in today's wrestling world. I think I want to say 6'2, somewhere in that range.
0: Yeah, Orndorff was like five ten, five eleven, but Orndorff was built like a freak. Yeah, that, house. yeah, exactly.
2: I was gonna say, a fucking monster. <laughs> so, and Roddy was Roddy was in shape, but yeah, he was just kind of you know just an yeah. in shape a normal in shape guy, not really a you know monster or anything like that. So
0: and McMahon saw him as a manager. So he pairs him with Orndorf. He beats Sal Belomo on that show on the Hogan undercard. Now, I don't know if that match went on before or after Hogan, because I think the Hogan match went on in the middle of the show. Yeah,
2: I think that was one of those middle of the show main events they would do in MSG all the time. So, yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I, I can find that out if you want, but I'm, I'm almost positive it was in the middle of the show.
0: And the reason they would do that in MSG and some of the other bigger buildings, they would do that in Philly. Um, I don't know if they did it in Boston on a regular basis, but in some of the bigger buildings... They would do the main event in the middle of the show before the intermission, because then they would announce the following month's main event Once they knew the, you know, once the result was in for this right, month's. Right, main right,
2: right. It was it was third from the top. They they had uh, Jimmy Snook and Rene Goulet uh, and then uh, Andrew the Giant, Rocky Johnson, and Tony Atlas defeated the Wild Samoans. A lot of Wild Samoans here in the main events. Uh, as we've yeah. said here, but uh, yeah, so it was the third match from the top, but uh, like you said, you'd see that incredible thing, and they'd say, hey, we're coming back here in March, you know, in April, you know, and, and go get your, or, yeah, we're coming back next week, and the match is going to be Hulk Hogan versus da 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 or whatever, so everybody runs and go gets their tickets and
0: stuff, so. Right, everyone buying buy their tickets at intermission for the following month's main event. So, um, that was when, see, so that tells me that they brought in Orndorff knowing full well he was going to get the mega push, but 84, but 83 was too soon. They waited for Hogan to win the title. And that's when they lit the fire under Orndorff paired right, with Piper. Right, right. Yeah. And then from there, the rest is history. Because like I said, he faces Hogan on an MSG show. I want to say it's got to be February or March. Um, you'll probably get to it before I do, but let me see if I could find. Okay. So it was. Hogan wins the title on January 23rd. So it had to be after that. It was February 20th. Hogan Orndorff. So the next month in MSG. Right off the bat, he's Hogan's first opponent. Just like I remembered. And that drew 26,000 fans. 1984. Again, and that count out finish. Here's the other thing. A lot of the Hogan Orndorff matches didn't have conclusive finishes. They always protected him. Especially on this early, these first few uh, shots he would get. Yeah,
2: DQs, countouts, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's...
0: It, they, Because they, it was, if you go back and watch this stuff, they always presented Orndorf as sort of Hogan's equal. But Hogan was always like a little bit better. Whereas Hogan, when he would take on these other like monsters of the month or whatever, whether it was I'm trying to think in that era, maybe Kamala or whoever the fuck, Bundy, okay? He'd beat them decisively. He'd boot him in the face. He'd drop the leg. He would do the Hulk up, right? He would Hulk up. He'd boot him in the face. He'd drop the leg. Sika, all those kind of guys, right? He'd beat him pretty easily, pretty handily. You'd never think about him again. But when it came to Orndorff, there were count outs or double DQs or Hogan would win by the skin of his teeth. I watched a match with Hogan versus Orndorff from Maple Leaf Gardens, right? Rich Hogan won with a schoolboy, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: and then Orndorff gets up and he's like incensed that he let it slip away. When did Hogan ever win with a fucking schoolboy? Okay, and then Orndorff's like, I can't believe this. This was probably uh, eighty-five or eighty-six. This is a little later in the run, and then they do the long tease, and Orndorff offers to shake the hand, and Hogan can't believe it, and then uh, Hogan shakes his hand, and the and the building fucking explodes. I don't think people realize that had Hogan not been around, Orndorff could have been a huge babyface in this company at this time. He really could have been. And then he was cuz then they, they did he did the turn. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, you know, so he has those first few matches in 84 with Hogan. They all draw even then and I don't think there's enough credit. I mean, they wrestled everywhere. I'm looking at it now, the 84 Baltimore, uh Cap Center, Landover, Maryland. Big buildings. These weren't like the uh the uh, the B or C buildings. This was Hogan, and these were the top buildings. And this is 1984. This is before WrestleMania 1. So this all builds through 84, and then of course in 85, you have the war to settle the score. Yeah, you know, MTV, Cyndi Lauper, and they build to WrestleMania 1, the tag match, Hogan and Mr. T versus Orndorff and Piper. And uh, of course, uh, Hogan and Mr. T win that and the storyline from there is Piper and Bob Orton blame Paul Orndorff for the loss. Yeah,
2: and to be fair, he he didn't help. Uh, I watched that for uh, the WrestleMania Randomizer, and he, he certainly did not help. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I think it was more Orton, more Bob Orton's fault for uh, you know his misplaced uh, Kane or his misplaced uh, uh, cast strike. But uh, yeah, Orndorff did not help out as well. It was it was a total team breakdown. But
0: yeah, so he blames him for the loss. And on the first Saturday Night's Main Event, that's when uh, Piper – he has the in-ring Piper's Pit with Orndorff, and uh, that's when they do the big angle and have uh, Piper and Orndorff split. Um, And then from there, that takes – that's in what, uh, 80 – maybe May of 85 now where we're at? Right, correct. So I think that's when they aired the first Saturday Night's Main Event. So – at this point in 85, he now, Orndorff and Piper are now feuding on the house shows. He, he, it's Piper and Orton. He wrestles Orton a lot on the house shows, but he wrestles Piper in the main event a lot on the house shows. So even when Orndorff had turned and Hogan was, you know, and, and separated from Hogan, Orndorff is still working main events. I mean, if you look at his 1985, he's working house show main events in Boston Garden and uh, all these big buildings with, against Piper on top. Uh, coming off of the angle that they did on Saturday night's main event. And you've got some Bob Orton sprinkled in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and of course they did the, uh, in the Northeast, they did the big thing. They did the big angle where, uh, where Piper got into a feud with San Martino. And then that bled into tag matches where San Martino and Orndorff would face Orton and Piper. So they had a lot of different direct. Now, San Martino wouldn't go like all over the country. He would just wrestle in the Northeast at that point. So in the Northeast, you would get San Martino and Orndorf versus Orton and Piper. And then everywhere else in the country, you would get Orndorf against Piper on maybe not even just the B shows on the B loop, though, because they, you know, like I said, they did the Orton Piper match in in places like Boston Garden, too, and, and bigger buildings as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm
2: looking at the Sports Arena. So, it looks like they one at the LA Sports Arena and stuff. So, yeah, we're not talking a little podunk that, you know, <laughs> like you said on the Thursday interviews, not in Sheboygan. Like they were, they were, they were making shows in big places.
0: Yeah, now the Orton matches may have been in some of the smaller buildings, or they may have been underneath a Hogan title match or something. Yeah, like
2: I, I'm looking at some of the Rosemont Horizon Chicago ones, and it's Orndorf versus you know Orton, and then the main event is Hogan versus Adrian Adonis, or Hogan versus Brutus Beefcake, or something like that. So they are still getting right. Hogan on top, but yeah, they're, they're they're right
1: there.
0: So the point here is, even after he turned, he was in money programs, you know, with uh, with Piper. So uh, that takes us to the build for WrestleMania two in 86 and Orndorf's still a face at this point. And this is when they do the big angle on Saturday night's main event where Morocco and Bundy, where Hogan has the match against Morocco and, uh, you know, Heenan offers to manage Morocco for a night and then Bundy makes the attack and there's your WrestleMania two main event. So then Orndorff kind of splinters off into a feud on the house shows with Morocco. I don't think a lot of those main evented that was just coming off, uh um, I think that's who he wrestled at WrestleMania 2 also. He wrestled Morocco at WrestleMania 2. <sighs> I don't even remember
2: but yeah, you're
1: probably did, right. Yeah, he,
0: yeah, he wrestled Morocco at WrestleMania 2, and that really wasn't a featured match either. That was in the Long Island. I think that was in the Nassau um, part of the show. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Mr. T and Piper. So um, that's really, this is the first time he's not in the main events since 83 when he's working with Morocco. And this is also now they're ramping up the Hogan Orndorf story. They're teaming more on the road. They're teaming on uh, TV. And then come, and this is why I'm saying, Rich, all of this was planned. And I think we should deep dive Orndorf's WWF Let's do it. Yeah. Uh,
2: let's do it sometime. Cause I, I watched a lot of this today and I'm excited to watch more of it for sure.
0: So we get past WrestleMania 2 and now we're really ramping up. I think they had this. They saw how popular Orndorff was as a heel facing Hogan in 84. They saw how popular he was in 85, post-turn on the road with Piper. And uh, they. I think this was deliberate. They're like, okay, we're going to turn this guy face for a year, and then we're going to have him turn on Hogan, and he's going to be a big opponent for Hogan in uh, 86 after we get past WrestleMania, and that's exactly how it played out. So Hogan gets past Bundy. And this is when the Hogan Orndorff story story kicks into gear. So Orndorff goes on the flower shop. I cannot find this clip. I looked,
2: been- I looked, I looked, I looked, I looked, I looked as much as I can. I cannot find it either. If anybody knows where this is, please let us know. We, we would love to watch it. Cause I, I kept finding the other clip that we're going to talk about in the flower shop. And I'd, I'd get through a few minutes. I'd say, Oh, is this it? And then it would never be it. And I was always just so disappointed. So,
0: so remember he's the number two baby face at this point, Quite easily in the company. So he goes on the flower shop, and Adonis is needling him. He's like, Hulk Hogan's not your friend. You're not as close as you think you are. You guys had all those wars. He doesn't care about you. And Orndorff's like, uh, he is my friend. And Adonis is like, well, why don't you prove it? So Orndorff says, I'll call him right now. So he calls him on the phone, and he says, I want to talk to Hulk Hogan. And whoever answered the phone, like Blue Orndorff, he's like, ah, Hogan's working out. And Hogan blows him off. Like, Hogan's working out. He don't want to come to the phone right now. And then Adonis is like, I told you. This guy doesn't care about you. You're not friends with Hulk Hogan. And you can see Orndorff seething. He's been embarrassed.
2: Yeah, yeah. He got, he got called out. He got challenged. He said, oh, he's your friend. Call him right now. And he, di- he didn't answer the phone. He didn't.
0: Yeah, and he's like, maybe he's not my friend. Right. right? So Hogan and Orndorff have a tag team match against the Moondogs on TV. And uh, Orndorff's begging to tag in and he takes the tag and he gets into trouble, but he won't tag out. And eventually he does win the match by himself, but it was very clear he didn't want anything to do. He didn't want any help from Hogan. Right. So he wins the match. He gives one of the spotter, whoever the pile driver wins the match. And uh, him and Hogan are celebrating. And then uh, the next week they're set to take on Big John Studd and King Kong.
2: Mm-hmm. And this is available. You can see this on YouTube. So. so is the
0: Moondog match. They're both on the oh, network. Oh, they are. I didn't
2: know the Moondog was. Okay, there you go.
0: They're both on the network. So, uh, this, you know, these aren't the Moondogs, okay? The Moondogs are a nice little team, but that's not Stud and Bundy. Yeah,
2: you need to be at your best yes. against Stud and Bundy.
0: And Orndorff keeps going on and on about Hogan blowing them off, and Hogan's like, listen, Paul, listen, brother.
2: <laughs> the promo before is fantastic. He goes... Brother, you know how I work out, brother. You know I'm busy. You know I'm clanging and banging. I don't have time for it. like essentially just you know, like yeah. You know, just, you know is, right? yeah, you know how intense my workouts are, brother. It, it, yeah. it don't worry about the call. And and, and Orndorff goes, I mean, I, I called you and he goes, Paul, don't worry about the call. Don't worry about the call. Like he's telling him, hey, don't worry about the call. And Paul's, you know, like I'm worried. I'm worried about the call, man. I'm, that's why I'm bringing it up to you right now. So yeah,
0: yeah. So so they get in there and um, and this is where they do the turn. Yeah. So Orndorf. Uh, He gives Hogan the big lariat, and then he gives him the pile driver. And and Heenan, he gets back with Heenan. Because remember, he was managed by Heenan the first time around. And after the Piper and Orton attacked Orndorff, he fired Heenan. And Heenan had put out a a bounty on Orndorff. We kind of skipped over all that. Like I said, we could do three hours on this guy, okay? Um, So now he's back with Heenan. He turns on Hogan. He's back with Heenan. And this is the big run that everybody talks about. This is where Orndorff has come into the ring to real American, right? To to yeah, to, to, to troll stick him, Hogan. him. yeah. And uh, he's still getting, you know, in a lot of cities, he was still getting babyface reactions. That's the thing. Like, I don't know if people grasp how big this guy was and how big he could have been if Hulk Hogan wasn't in the way. And I'm not suggesting he should have had the spot instead of Hogan. Hogan was a model. Oh God, you, no,
2: yeah, of course not
0: but this guy could have been a world champ. Like this idea. Oh, he didn't hold world titles. Who cares? You know, he's right there. He's having 60 minute matches with flair all over the loop. He is the, he's one B to Hogan's one a for like the first two years that he's with this company, you know? So he's coming down the real American and, and, uh, it's, and great, this is it's a great
2: he- troll, too, because you'll have, like, you know, the guys on commentary, it, it, you know, Bobby's managing him, so he's not obviously on commentary, but you have Jesse Ventura being like, we already heard this song, why is Hogan coming out to this song? And Gorilla's yeah. like, that's his song, Jesse, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, I heard Orndorff come out to this song. <laughs> it's just, you know, just perfect, like, yeah, Jesse, Gorilla great. stuff. Yeah. And Gorilla's like, oh, Jesse, it's Hogan's song, not Orndorff. He's yeah, but like, then why did he come out with it? You know, why is, why is Ordnorf having it? Just like that, just that little touch is just incredible. It's just so good.
0: You give Ventura an inch, and Ventura will <laughs> take Jesse never stops. He'll, he'll take a mile. He's
2: relentless I mean, about this music. And yeah, and Gorilla never has a good rebuttal. Oh, Jesse, come on.
0: <laughs> you know, what was interesting too is they, they taped the, uh, the two tag matches against the Moondogs and against um, uh, Bundy and Stud. They taped those two tag matches on the same day. And the Bundy and Stud tag match aired. Let me get that air date for you. It aired on, uh, they, they filmed it on June 24th and it aired on July 19th. Okay, so almost a month later when it filmed. And if you look at Orndorff's results, he wrestles as a face until fucking July 19th. So he goes on the road after the turn. And does all of these matches as a face against Morocco and Bundy and Randy Savage, who's the Intercontinental Champion by then, who, by the way, also would never beat Orndorff. If you if you look at the results, Hogan and Savage almost never pinned Orndorff. They always protected Orndorff, even, even against those two guys, because they knew Orndorff was money. He wasn't these, you know, jabroni challengers of the month. He wasn't that. He really wasn't. So then... Uh, then when the match airs on TV, he starts working as a heel, both on TV and on the road. And that's when he hits the road and starts facing Hogan on the big run that we were talking about at the top. And again, Rich, I don't know if you're looking at the page. Look at all the finishes. DQ. Yeah. DQ.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hogan by DQ. Orndorf by DQ. Hogan by DQ. Even when they finally got to Toronto for the big event, that's the one that drew... What was the 61, real number? Sixty-one
2: thousand, right? I think, was the actual. But I, they, I, announced,
0: I, they announced they announced seventy-five thousand. I think
2: sixty-one was the it was the official number.
0: Right. So sixty-one thousand people, Toronto, 61, Canada. Sixty-one thousand
2: four hundred and seventy for the big event.
0: Real number. That's yeah, the real correct. number. Right. Yeah. I forget I what mean, they say.
2: Seventy-four thousand. They, they say
0: said. seventy-five. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No. But I mean, that's fucking insane. You know, and that wasn't even a pay per view or anything like that. Now. They did end up marketing that as a VHS, and one that
2: I rented many times. <laughs> I remember. I know this. I know the cover very well.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, it's and the Hogan show flexing with the sweet.
2: Yeah, it's not a good show at all. It sucks.
0: It's a horrendous show.
2: <laughs> Billy Jack and Hayes and Hercules and fucking. I think it was it Harley Race and yeah Harley Race and Pedro Morales. That's just fucking dreadful. It's three minutes. It fucking sucks. Tedrosini a- versus Tony
0: Correa. <laughs> That's the match. That is so oh bad. god, it's so bad. <laughs>
2: even as, even like an eight year old who's just like, "Yay wrestling!" I was just like, "This fucking sucks." Like...
0: Yeah, I mean, and you can't even argue that anything else popped that drew that number no. other than Hogan or Magnificent
2: Morocco number. versus King Tonga in a time limit draw, a twenty minute time limit draw. For... That's what a better match. I know I think... that's not. I don't good. know if
0: I've ever seen it not edited though. Yeah, I'm I, pretty I didn't sure a full edited. twenty. Yeah, but but the show's awful. They drew sixty one thousand fans, legit or whatever it was, and then they wrestled every night after that yep. in other enormous buildings. Uh, you know, Rosemont Horizon, Chicago, um, and they went all over the loop. There's that one week. I think that's the week where, like Rich was referring to, where in total that match drew like one hundred twenty five thousand total fans, or some ridiculous number. Um, I think if you look on Matt Farmer's Twitter yes. page, yeah, he had the number it, yeah. somewhere. Uh, the The exact number but um yeah this was the this is the mega run that people talk about but i really it was important to me that people knew that he had been drawing money with Hogan as far back as 84 and he was the first opponent that they turned to when Hogan won the title for Madison Square Garden and they have this run here and it's all bullshit fucking dq finishes which and count outs and all this other bullshit every now and then you'd get a clean one and and quite honestly rich with a lot of these results that say they're clean. They're probably not. It's probably just the reported match results in the paper that didn't specify count out. Or DQ. Right. Right. You know, Cause
2: I doubt they're going to do nine straight DQs and then just have Hogan go over clean, you know, against Orndorff in, in Philly, you know, after, after doing randomly, it for seven straight weeks, you know, of, of DQs. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right randomly here. in Buffalo, New York, they're going to do a clean finish. It's just that in right. Buffalo, whoever sent the results to the paper, didn't specify the DQs. So uh, always heavily protected. And uh, this leads us to the blow-off for this. You are right over there, Rich?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Sorry.
0: This leads us to the blow-off, to the feud, because this took us through the entire second half of 86. And then they do the match on Saturday Night's Main Event, which was taped in December of 86, but didn't air until January of 87. And this is one of the most famous matches of the era. Now, what they would do with Saturday Night's Main Event in those days is... Hogan would do a house show feud with somebody. And then when that feud started to run out of gas and stop drawing money, they would do the blow off match on Saturday night's main event because the theory was, okay, we made all the money we could off of Hogan versus, I don't know, Terry Funk or Harley Racer or whoever he's wrestled over the years on Saturday night's main event. So now we can give away the match on TV, pop a rating with it. And then Hogan moves on yeah, to whatever right, it is right, he's right. going to move on to. Right. Yeah, because once you put it
2: on Saturday Night's Main Event, everybody has seen it now, so now when you come back to that town, you can't say, hey, it's Hulk Hogan versus Paul Orndorff in a steel cage match, because it's like, we just saw that on you know, because that's when Saturday Night's Main Event, uh, fucking millions of people were watching that show at the time, so yeah, once that was on Saturday Night's Main Event, there was no need to go back on the road with it, because people had already seen it.
0: Yeah, so they do the Saturday Night's Main Event match in December, it doesn't air until January, and this is a famous match, I remember watching this as a kid. I remember this being actually. I was at a sleepover. I won't say the kid's last name, but uh, this is a kid on my block named Tuquan, not Tupac, Tuquan. And uh, he was a big wrestling fan. And whenever Saturday night's main event came around, we would sleep over each other's house. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. we'd take to. Turn- so I remember watching this with him. And of course, we had the VHS pop then. You know, we had, you know, of course we're recording it. Oh, got it. Got it. You get Saturday night's main event in those days, or any wrestling for that matter, you record it and then you watch the fuck out of it every day of your life until the next Saturday night's main event. So I remember this was where they did both guys dropping off of the cage to the floor at the exact same time. Right? Quote unquote, exact same time. Even though if you look at it, they make sure that Hogan's <laughs> hits that floor
1: yeah.
0: a one thousandth of a second before Orndorff's. You know, which Ventura disputes and, and, of course, you know, McMahon on the other side. So they call it a draw. But me and my friend Tuquan, we must have rewound that fucking tape until three in the morning, watching that over and over and over as like eight-year-olds, breaking this down like the fucking Zupruder film, trying to figure out whose feet hit the floor first. And, of course, at that age, I was already a smark, and so was he. My whole block hated Hulk Hogan. Okay? So we're rooting for Orndorff. We love Orndorff at this time. So, you know, we're trying to make a case that Orndorf's feet hit first and he got screwed because, of course, they restart the match. And then they do, you know, Heenan gets involved and then um, they do the whole thing and then Hogan eventually uh, wins the match. So, But that's a very famous match. That, I would say, is one of the five most famous matches of that. Oh, for sure. Uh, and-
2: yeah, definitely. And and one that a lot of people remember. I mean, we When we made the tweet uh, and you know said that Orndorff and I think we were one of the first people that were saying it because I know our, our mentions just blew up with people and one of the things we were getting from a lot of people that we don't follow a lot of like you know blue check marks people in the sports world people in that it was everybody going i remember the cage match versus hogan so that like an indelible mark on 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 wrestling fans of a certain era what was that match i mean that that one In our quote tweets would just constantly got brought up with people saying, oh, yeah, I remember a steel cage match with Hogan. That was incredible. Like that sort of stuff. Or I'll never forget when he turned on Hogan. They had the cage match. I mean, that 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 is the moment right now. That that is the peak of Orndorff is that turn up to that steel cage match is is really it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say and then really for him, it's all downhill from here because there is this misnomer. There is this myth that he was being kept on the bench for WrestleMania three. In case Andre wouldn't do business or wouldn't do <laughs> or wouldn't do the match with Hogan or or, or, or couldn't or do
2: the match with Hogan, his body, because there's the weird Hulk Hogan thing that, oh, I don't know if Andre is going to do business, brother. And then there's the uh, people that say, well, Andre's body may not have even wanted to do it, but I don't think there was any chance in hell that. He was not going to do that match. So
0: yeah, but the thing was, like, like his house show run with Hogan was over.
2: No, he's doing shit with like Paul Roma and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I mean, it's 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 not. Yeah, it, it, by '84 he's doing Roma, George Steele, Pedro Morales, or '87. Yeah, sorry, he's doing Paul Roma, George Steele, Pedro Morales, Billy Jack Hayes. Like he's done. Yeah, he's. Gene he's Roberts
0: was a big house show. Yeah, he's
2: moved on. He's he's done.
0: And, and I'm almost positive that by the time WrestleMania three rolls around he's getting that arm taken care of. He's not even on the WrestleMania 3 show. Right, this. right,
2: right. I think the atrophy is already starting for him. So,
0: No, the arm was fucked up during that whole run, and he didn't want to get it fixed because he didn't want to come off the road. Yeah, he's making money. Footy.
2: Make him dough, yeah.
0: So then that tells you right there that it's a myth that they were keeping him iced for Hogan at three because... His run with Hogan was over. He 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 finally got the arm taken care of at that point. And he didn't even wrestle for like three, four months because he was resting up that arm because he wasn't working on the top of the card anymore. He was having sporadic matches with Hogan here or there. But for the most part, like you were saying, he's working house shows with Jake Roberts, he's working house shows with Coco Beware, and um, you know, and and then he just disappears in spring and doesn't wrestle at all. And that's why he wasn't on the WrestleMania card. He's just resting up that arm. So when they bring him back after he had been gone for several months, that's when they start planting the seeds for the second babyface turn. He returns as a surprise on TV and does an eight-man tag with the Heenan family. Okay. But at this point in time, they're bringing in Rick Rude.
2: Yeah, and that's the he, the the gleam in 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 Heenan's eye. The you, Orndorff, Mister Wonderful. That's old news. This new guy ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah, I watched a, a bunch of the stuff with these guys too. And yeah, Heenan just just oozing over Rick Rude. This man, this magnificent. You know, he's, he's everything and yada yada yada. And then you know, you can see Orndorff in the background just being like, "Oh man, <laughs> like I'm not his favorite anymore." What the
1: hell? So.
0: And Orndorff still getting these huge reactions. Yeah. And this was going. And the story was, okay. Uh, we'll do the slow burn turn and then we'll pit Orndorf against Rude. And that's what they did. Eventually, Orndorf uh, Orndorff and Heenan uh, split again. Orndorff goes babyface and he takes on Oliver Humperdink as his manager. Now, Humperdink was managing uh, Bam Bam at the time. He's the only babyface manager on the crew. And he goes with Humperdink and he was all set to go into this feud against Rick Rude, and they actually did start the feud, but they never blew it off or ended it. But the writing was on the wall. Orndorf's big runs were over, and his role in the Rick Rude feud was going to be to put Rick Rude over in the end. We all know this, because Rude now was getting set for a big push. The, the, the few house show matches they had, Rude won the majority of them. Paul Orndorf was not booked like a star at Survivor Series at all. No. On that Hulk Hogan team. Um, he was, and, and that team had both of yeah, He's probably below, yeah,
2: he's below Bam Bam Bigelow in that team.
0: Yeah, Humperdinck did well in that match, in that 87 match. Um, but both of Humperdinck's guys were on Hogan's team with Morocco and Patera, and against the Heenan family, uh, Rick Rude, Andre, Bundy, uh, one-man gang.
2: Oh, I know you know this. I know it.
0: Well, who else would have been in the Heenan family Butch at that Reed. time?
2: Butch Reed also. Oh, he family. wasn't in the Heenan family. Yeah. He, he was. Yeah, yeah, that, right that, was yeah. yeah. Right.
0: that was Slick's guy. Right, was Slick's guy. Yeah, but Reed was feuding with Morocco, so that's the tie-in right. there. Um, because Reed was supposed to feud with Superstar Billy Graham, but Superstar Billy Graham had the hip problems, so Morocco turned face, got on steroids, became the Rock Don Morocco. <laughs> And, Excuse me! How how dare you?
2: <laughs> You're trying to tell body, me that Don the, the Rock Morocco is on steroids? Get out of here, sir! What's
0: that your, body transformation. What's your
2: evidence other than him weighing 300 pounds of pure muscle?
0: Is that the most amazing body transformation ever in yeah, wrestling? He, I mean, I can't think of another one.
2: It, he is was a fucking a, house, like, yeah, it is. It the is veins wild. protruding
0: from his shoulder. Yeah, and, he
2: is disgusting. Like there, there is some like. There's some guys in that era, and there's no... I mean, that dude is a, literally a rock. He is the size of a fucking boulder. It is disgusting what Tom Rocco looks like.
0: Yeah. So, I think by the end of 87, Orndorf saw that he was a mid-card guy, and that was going to be his future, and he hit the bricks. And that was it for him, and they never even did a blow-off to the Rick Rude feud, which Rude undoubtedly was going to come out on top in. Now's the end of his run. He came in late 83. He may have done a handful of matches in early 88, but he was gone uh, basically by the end of 87. It was four years. It was four years where for 95% of it, he was a main eventer and a mega draw, arguably the at at worst, the number three. If you want to put Andre ahead of him, I don't think Savage was ahead of him at that time.
2: No, no, it'd Um, it'd be another year until Savage is really there.
0: You want to argue, Piper Orndorff? Look, you could. Uh, I'll argue. With you. I, I'm taking Orndorff's side. I, I, I am. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay Piper's significance, but I think Orndorff drew more money on the road. Oh, for Hogan. sure.
2: I, I think one of the problems that, that that and I'm probably guilty of it as well is I tend to think that like piper is the big deal in that time and piper because WWE has done that in kind of their their, their narratives yeah. of of in the documentaries they do is you don't hear anything about paul orndorff you never hear any because obviously said
0: at the top it's not fair
2: right it's it's definitely not and he obviously he was in the concussion lawsuit so they kind of put him on ice as far as like honoring him for anything for a while and he didn't go back there and i don't think he was super you know there, there was some some ups and downs and and stuff like that he was in wcw and you know he didn't really ever appear again uh until many many years later in, 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 in WWF, just in like you know kind of Backstage stuff and, and and things like that. So when you watch documentaries about it, you, it's all Piper. It's all here's the coconut, and then he's main eventing this, and he's facing Mister T, and then he's and it's all this Piper stuff. And you Orton's a background player in all of it, or uh, uh, Orndorff is a background player in all of it, and it's just not true. I mean, you really look at it like you're doing here, and like we're doing here. I mean, yeah, we're trying to do a little bit of myth busting here, but he is. I, I'm with you. He is a bigger deal than Roddy Piper was at that time. You just you wouldn't know that by watching you know WWE documentaries that 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 put Piper on the pedestal. And we're not we're not trying to rag on on you know. Piper whatsoever but yeah Orndorff is a big deal Orndorff on the road every single week and, and, and Doing these big houses doing these big things so no it's, it's Important
0: he drew all the money yeah right hey, you, you go watch these matches Look at the go listen to the reactions That he's getting Orndorff In these matches against Hogan I mean even when He's a heel because there's that Period like that that Maple Leaf Garden match I'm talking about which is on the network And if you go to remembering Paul, uh, Paul Orndorff it's one of the matches they feature It's very easy to find that's kind of when he's a tweener, like when he's about to turn babyface, which is why they do the handshake deal afterwards, okay? And just listen to the reactions he's getting, and technically he's a heel in that match. You know, they're on par with Hogan. They really are at times. It's – it's 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 he was such a – he just does not get the credit he deserves for the level of star he was even as a heel. And, um, you know, that's it by 87. He disappears for like two years. This is where the urban legend that he was dead had started. Do you remember this or were you too? Uh, young? I was
2: too young. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't around during this time. The whole <laughs>
0: thing during this in any middle school in the country was Paul orndorff is dead. <laughs> because in wrestling you didn't disappear.
2: Right. You, you went, went somewhere. You went to nwa Crockett, you worked Crockett, you worked somewhere. Yeah, AWA. He, went went work work for Burn. Yeah. he
0: was gone. He was just gone. He, he was running a bowling alley. Bowling I think he was
2: running a bowling alley in Fadeville, yeah.
0: He bought some bowling alleys and got out and, then you know, probably was resting up that fucked up arm of his. And he was gone for like over two years, two and a half years. And um, I remember he popped up in the after mags and there's no evidence of it online that I could find a promotion called Great Lakes Wrestling. And I remember this because it was a big deal to me and my friends who were reading the after mags at the time because Paul Orndorff wasn't in fact dead. He was wrestling for Great Lakes Wrestling in (laughs) Michigan. And and this is funny because this had to be around 1990. And about four, well, five or six years later, it would be five or six years, it would be 95 or 96. Okay? I was tape trading with a guy from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Okay? Ypsilanti,
2: Ypsilanti, but that's fine.
0: Ypsilanti, Michigan. I was tape trading (laughs) with this guy. And I was sending him ECW TV, because if you add ECW TV as a tape trader, you can get anything You're you want.
2: You're king wanted. shit. Yeah, you, you, had, you had the leverage.
0: Yeah. So I was sending him ECW TV, and in Ypsilante, Michigan, for whatever reason, he was getting Memphis on TV. So he was sending me Memphis tapes. This is ninety five ninety. This isn't exactly vintage Memphis, but... Hey, yeah,
2: take what you can get. Take what you can get.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was still cool because it was still Memphis. Yeah, right? it's something you didn't
2: have. It's something you didn't have, so you wanted it.
0: It's the USWA era, so I was like, oh, I'm getting USWA tapes. This is great. I remember the first one he sent me. was the return of Tommy Rich, and uh, and I remember Lance Russell, and uh, it was like they did the gimmick where he was in a box. Never fails, right? It's always like the best gimmick, and they pulled the box off, and I'll never forget Lance Russell's like, wildfire tommy (laughs) rich you know and the studio goes bananas and tommy rich comes out like a house of fire and he's decking everybody and i'm like this is the fucking greatest i'm getting memphis tapes nobody has this shit in my neighborhood right with this kid from ypsilanti michigan but what he was also sending me was his local indie great lakes wrestling oh yeah there you go which was the same place that paul orton had popped up back in in 1990 so, I, so I'm marking out for that. I'm like, this is that place I read about in the after mags that I didn't even think was real. Like, now I've got tapes from Great Lakes Wrestling. I, I should really check those out and see what the hell was on them because I don't even remember. But uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that's my little Great Lakes Wrestling connection. So Orndorff popped up there. And then it was, you know, then he worked for uh, uh, the second UWF, which was, uh, what was that Maniac's name?
2: Um, oh Herb Abrams, Herb Abrams.
0: Yeah, he worked for the Herb Abrams UWF. He was one of those guys, and then uh, eventually, obviously, well, he had that first run with WCW. Very 90. quick,
2: yeah, that 1990 run, uh, a Great American Bash, I remember for sure he was he was in, but yeah, very very quick early uh, 1990 run.
0: But significant because he was a babyface with the dudes with attitudes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which was Sting and Paul Orndorff, Junkyard Dog, Rocky King. The forgotten.
2: <laughs> Your boy Rocky King, yeah, Luger, uh, Steiner's were in there too, I think.
0: Ah, uh, kinds of guys. Sort of, yeah. Rocky King, yeah, they were all feuding <laughs> with, yeah, the big babyface stable. El Higante, <laughs> oh a dude yeah, with yeah, of attitude. course, of course. Um, or at least adjacent to the group. I think
2: he was a full-on
0: dude. He may have been, yeah. Uh would Cage Match have that under their entourage? Uh, who is
2: the dudes with attitude? Yeah, let me let me see who the yeah. official uh, what they consider their uh, their full dudes with attitudes. Uh, they have El Gigante, Lex Luger, Paul Orndorff, Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, Sting, and the Junkyard Dog. They do not include go. Rocky King there. So, again, your Rocky King eraser, eraser, oh, eraser this... start continues here. So.
0: This is bullshit. Yeah, Rocky King. He was
2: a dude. He was absolutely a dude.
0: He was. He was in the group. He was 1,000% a dude with attitude, Rocky King. Um, so that, that's annoying. But, yeah, so he had that first WCW run in 90 as a babyface. And then uh, then he had the Smoky Mountain Run, which, look, it wasn't a lot of total matches. Um, maybe, definitely under 100, maybe under 50, but uh, he did have the Smoky Mountain Run, and and unfortunately, I don't think that's an era of Smoky that's on the network, so you might have to dig a ah, little There's deeper. no
2: fucking Smoky on the network. It sucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You always see but, it, you're like, ooh, uh,
2: here we go, and it's just like five Chris Jericho matches, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, damn it
0: yeah yeah he he went to the uh uh title tournament final and he was a pushed guy a weird guy for Cornette to use that doesn't
2: yeah doesn't seem a weird,
0: I mean, it's just bizarre the, the the smoky run but uh that was early smoky like 92 he was there in the early days he was still working for herb abrams um and doing the herb abrams shows and then there was a 19- lot of those
2: weird companies at that time. There was the AWF, and then the National Wrestling League, or whatever. There was a lot of these like weird sort of startups that would come and go in that 1990 to 1993 era. Where, you know, they'd use the vestiges of W.F. past uh, to try to you know sell and draw and stuff. And believe it or not, it did not work very well for any of them. So
0: you know, I always thought that Orndorf was one of Paul Alperstein's AWF guys, but I don't see a history of him working there before. Maybe I. Uh, so there's Nella two, I,
2: I think. He's not in that one.
0: Yeah, and I thought he was.
2: He, yeah, so he's not in he's not in that AWF. He's in the other AWF. There was two. It was not confusing <laughs> you know who, at all.
0: So. You know who loves the Paul Alperstein AWF?
2: I wish it was me because it was in Chicago, right? It was based in Chicago, correct?
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah.
2: I know Tito Santana liked it cuz I think he was the champion for a long time so Tito, <laughs> or forever, yeah. I think. Yeah. Bob
0: Bob Orton was there, Tito. Yeah.
2: I'm sure Tito liked the checks, but
0: Tony Atlas uh long time listener, Aaron Quinn loves the Paul. Alters oh yeah. Thing, you know? Oh yeah.
2: Okay. There you go. I don't I think, think I've actually, not. I honestly, I don't think I've ever seen it, which is, is, is
0: disgusting. Rich, rich, it's it's my amazing. hometown
2: promotion. <laughs> so that's...
0: It's so bad. It's good. Like that kind <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Chris Adams, like the matches were in rounds. It was Hell just yeah. a disaster. So I believe Aaron Quinn, I believe she has like the DVD box set. She, <laughs>
2: might, <laughs> the be the only, yes.
0: she might be the only person on earth who owns that. Like it may willingly.
2: Yeah. Funny. The only person who willingly owns it. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I wish so. Oh, I remember that because
2: she asked me once about Cicero. She was like, "Hey, tell me about Cicero," because they ran in Cicero a lot. So that's why I had to, uh, yeah, explain that. Yeah, I do remember that now. So
0: now Orndorff seems like he would have been an AWF guy, but apparently he wasn't, Um, um, because all those guys like Brian Blair, like they were all there. All his boys, like he broke in with Blair. Um, So then by '93, that's the WCW run that everybody remembers. Yeah. You know, so pretty wonderful and the TV title run and the fucking false count anywhere with Cactus Jack. Yeah,
2: I'm going to say that right now, watch that match. If you have never seen that match, I mean it is it, it it's I saw it a long time ago and I just rewatched it this week and that's a match that you think, ah, you know, I've seen all the, you know, I, I every week now i see fucking plunder matches and shit okay fine i'll watch this false con anywhere from 1992 dude it is so good it's so it's so brutal stuff happens that you've never seen before it's paul orndorff like you've never seen it before and cactus jack is an absolute fucking psychopath in that match with the bumps he takes it is great that match is awesome if you've never seen that it's so
1: good.
2: definitely after this podcast is done false con anywhere match super brawl 3 it's on peacock it's on the network it's if you can find it super brawl 3 cactus jack paul orndorff watch that match
0: I haven't seen any of the Flair NWA world title matches and I haven't seen some of the Mid-South matches from the Superdome, but with all that said... That might be the best Paul Orndorff. Is that the best Paul Orndorff? I watched a
2: lot, and I would have to say that that has to be it. I mean, there's there's more important singles matches that he's been in. There's more there's more prominent singles matches, but as far as bell to bell, I mean, that is a fucking kick ass match. Like that, I went in thinking, oh man, let me see what they're going to be able to do here, and it's just like a great match. Like in any era, they whoop the fuck out. They just beat the hell out of each other, and it's a really good back and forth.
0: That's the thing. That's the thing. He just beats the shit out of Cactus Jack for like fifteen minutes, and then he does the Hogan ear gimmick. And he gets this massive heat from the crowd. He's still milking that shit from like seven years earlier. And then Cactus just beats him. Like, it's it's so good. He just beats the living shit. And it's like, his style, Orndorff, is just rugged. He's just a rugged yeah. ass kicker. And he's believable, right? Like, even the Hogan matches, you know, he just, and he, even Hogan had mentioned, like, earlier this week, what it was like, he, he alluded to working with Orndorff, as you just did what Orndorff, you just followed Orndorff's lead and did what Orndorff's, like, because Orndorff was also a legit tough guy. Like, he didn't fuck with Paul Orndorff.
2: Yeah, he did, like, boxing so, and, like, early martial arts fights and shit, too. He was, a, he was, a, yeah, he was a real badass.
0: Yeah, and the urban legend that he beat up Vader and all that. So, he was, like, a legitimate tough guy. And he brought that style to the ring. And I was watching this, and I'm thinking, you know, in reality, this is perfect for that era of Cactus Jack. Because all he did was fucking sell and take big bumps, and he 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 does that one spot where they're brawling up the 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 uh, the aisleway, and Orndorff just throws him over like two guardrails. Two rails.
2: guardrails, yeah. He goes over two guardrails, and you hear Tony Schiavone go, "Oh God!" <laughs> like you know, it's Tony. It's like it's not Tony Schiavone the announcer; it's Tony Schiavone the human being that's just like
0: Jesus Christ. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do that. That match is so fucking it's good. It's so
2: good. It's so good.
0: And. And uh, you know, and I really, you know, I really love the Hogan matches too. After going back and watching them, you know, I thought I didn't think they'd be bad. I thought they'd be okay, but they were good. And and the heat really helps. I mean, you know, heat just brings everything up, as you know, and it really helps those matches. And Orndorff is just, it's just his style of work. He's just, he's rugged. He's no nonsense. Um, That's really what I'm into now as a fan too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, going back and watching this stuff. Is, is really resonating with me and i think the cactus jack falls count anywhere or whatever the stipulation was no dq whatever it was was that uh fall brawl uh super or- brawl super
2: brawl 3 super which brawl. is actually a really good show all around super brawl 3
0: it is it's a really good show 93 i and, said
2: 92 um, earlier it's 1993
0: sorry yeah he wasn't there in 92 um so yeah that's a that's an awesome match definitely his best match in wcw um and then yeah, he's there through uh, ninety five.
2: Yeah, because then he starts. It's it. You know, you get like the the you know pretty wonderful run, like you mentioned. Then there's you get this really really weird run where he's doing stuff with like TV psychic Gary Spivey and stuff, and it's like yeah. they've lost control. I mean, he I think at this point like Orndorff's not good anymore, and he kind of I think realizes that a little bit, and they kind of play into it. It's it's not good. The last the last run is pretty bad. And then he gets he gets caught up in like the loose cannon uh, Brian Pillman thing as well. I think that's probably his. The, the last thing that most people remember Paul Orndorff for uh, is, is getting, you know, power bombed or, or, or pile driven, I should say, uh, by the four horsemen uh, in in the end of 95. And that's kind of it for him. I think he rolls out of the ring and that's that's basically done. So or he gets pile driven on the uh, entrance way I think it is by the fours. But yeah, he was he was with he was feeling with Brian Pillman during the Brian Pillman loose cannon era and stuff like well, that's that. That's how
0: so. they wrote. Didn't they write him out? with Yeah, them?
2: exactly. They wrote him out with that. And then he'd come back a few other times. He came back. I remember very famously in that, that 2000 fall brawl. Uh, it's uh, the filthy animals and the natural born thrillers, and I think Orndorf does a pile driver. I want to say it, it wasn't done to him; he performs pile driver and gets like a stinger and just la- lays in the ring, and he can't move his body parts. He can't move anything. They stop the match immediately, and it's just like it's like a funeral one off there because they're wondering, "Oh fuck, what just happened to this guy? What did we just do to this guy?" And after that, it was like, "Okay, I think we're done here." And I don't think he he didn't officially wrestle in any of the big company after that at all. So.
0: No, no, no. Yeah, basically his career was over in 95, at the end of 95, for all intent and purpose. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, 93, he could still, you know, he was still obviously a very capable wrestler, and that's when he he did the, uh, he did a lot of, uh, he worked, at, it seemed like he worked on TV every week. Oh, he was
2: constantly, yeah, in that era. TV
0: title matches, U.S. title matches, and uh, he was a real workhorse in 93 and then 94 was that the start of print that was pretty wonderful in 94 that was pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah, pretty yeah. wonderful yeah. run so he had a couple tag team title runs and then uh 95 was really the last full year that he had both WCW and in the business remember he had the renegade feud They put him with the. I do. Yeah.
2: I think they faced the Bash of the Beach. I want to say the uh, one at Huntington Beach or whatever. Yeah. Not good. And he lost a lot to that. When you're starting to lose the Renegade, that's that you're pretty much done at that point. So
0: definitely a down card guy at that point, you know, after pretty wonderful had wrapped up. But all in all, that was a pretty good late career run, those three years in WCW. And he's another one of these guys that never really overstayed his welcome. Like even that WWF run was really from. The only, you know, it was four full years. It was 84 to 87. Mojo Raleigh was with WWF for nine years.
1: <laughs> right, right, right.
0: I mean, I just saw a tweet that said Naomi has been with WWE twelve right, 12 years. Yeah,
2: 12.
0: 12 fucking years and has done <laughs> nothing. I mean, these people stay with the company for, you know, forget the Miz's and the, and the Dolph Ziggler's, even like these prelim nobodies. They just don't cut anyone. They just... These people just stick around this company for a decade. Yeah, Aaliyah, yeah,
2: Aaliyah's been training for eight years, by the way, in the PC. So
0: yeah, and they accomplish nothing. <laughs> they make no mark, and it's like I'm not necessarily knocking the people, but it's like there's nowhere to go. Like these other guy, these guys had places to go. So Orndorff is moving down the card in '87. He's like, I'm out of here. I got a bad arm. I'm accustomed to making five figures a week with Hulk Hogan. I'm not wrestling Rick Rude fourth from the top at, at a 75% pay cut. You know, he goes to Smoky Mountain. He goes, well, you know, uh, WCW is going to pay me more. I'm out of here. You know, it's like, it, it, you know, it's like these guys had legendary runs and then you look and it's like three years. right? <laughs> yeah. You know, because then they it, it's it's they moved down the card or there was somewhere else to to go. Someone, uh,
2: oh, we're going to move on to something else. Handshake. All right, you're on your way. Then you go to, you know, go work NWA. You go work AWA. Okay. Hey, we want to bring you back in for a feud with X or whatever. You, you brought people in because you needed them. You didn't just have people because you had them. You know, they were on your roster because you had an idea for them or you had a character right, for them or you had something right. for them.
0: Yeah. You would tell them to hit the bricks if you were through with them. Like, um, let me pull up his cage match career page. I guarantee you he was never anywhere longer than like four years. I mean, it's just how it was. Okay. So he breaks in in Florida. He spends about two years in Mid-Atlantic after he leaves Florida. Then he spends about two, two and a half years with Watts. Then he goes to Georgia for what amounts to basically a full year, right? Part of 82 and part of 83. Then uh, he's in WWF by the end of 83. I think they signed him halfway through 83, but just had him iced, right? So then he starts full in 84. His last full year is 87. So that's only four years. Then he disappears for two years. Uh, He does the Herb Abrams thing for a year, year and a half. He does a couple months in WCW. He does a year or so in Smoky Mountain. And then he does three years in WCW. Yeah, that's it. You don't stay somewhere for eight, nine, ten years and just become another fucking guy. You know, and he's not, this isn't unique to him. You look at any of these guys and that's how it was. You know, King Kong, Bundy or Kamala. Kamala. I mean, that guy didn't stay anywhere longer than nine, ten months, and it was <laughs> off to the next place. Yeah. Now that was the nature of his gimmick. I mean, you'd get one good—we talked about that—you get one really good run out of him, and then
2: oh, he was smart. He knew, yeah, he knew. Hey, I'm not going to stick around much longer here because you know the getting. I'll, I'll just bounce between. Yeah, yeah. Was, was, yeah, was, and I'll go main
0: event somewhere else. Right, then exactly.
2: When I, then when you're, you're bat, ready you're for me again, and everyone's forgotten about me, I'll come back, and then I'll do another run of main events, and then I'll go away, and then I'll come back. Yeah, he did that for about you know eight years, and made a lot of money doing it. So,
0: so you look at Orndorf. Main eventer from basically the late 70s until 1987. Um, Again, I don't know much about the Florida run. I don't think he was a main eventer there. I think he was just a young wrestler breaking in. But by the time he got to Mid-Atlantic, he was a main eventer from basically 1978 to 1987. And I'm not talking about main eventing mid-sized territories. This guy was main eventing against Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan and main eventing the Superdome from 1978 to 1987. The biggest places possible against the biggest opponents possible for a solid decade. Everywhere he went. And I honestly don't think he gets his due. I don't think 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 this man. I think
2: this man might be on the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame this year. We'll see.
0: And again, he's my line. Yeah, we'll see. You want to come at me with these fringy Hall of Famers You got to convince me they had a better career than that and drew more money than that and were an excellent, rugged, realistic worker for the time period like he was. You know, it's like a guy like that can't get in and can't even stay on the ballot. All right, then you can get lost with Trish Stratus on the ballot. I mean, what are (laughs) we doing? Do you see why I get so agitated? Oh,
2: I do. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know. I'm this like, is
0: why I get out. 61, I pulled my
2: hair people at the fucking you know Maple Leaf Gardens or whatever the hell or whatever the arena was. Yeah, you
0: want me to talk about Trish Stratus?
2: <laughs> right, right. For, for she influenced indie heart. She influenced wrestlers. <laughs> okay. What else do you got for me? Well, that's that's it.
0: You know what I mean? Like I can't. Yeah. I cannot. I can't take candidates like that seriously. Yeah.
2: A few wrestlers said that Trish was their inspiration. <laughs> okay, cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, come on. It means nothing. <laughs> right. You know. Um,
2: this guy's genius, you know, I mean, main eventing two shows on NBC on Saturday Night's main event or whatever. got what? you
0: more money in one night than a lot of these.
2: <laughs> <people> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah.
0: I'm not trying to come off like like old guy. It used to be better, but you know he, this is why he's my line You know, he basically got disregarded. His highest vote total was probably not even close to getting in, and I understand it. But um, maybe his career does deserve a re-examination Maybe it does. You know, maybe not enough is known about all those Ric Flair main events. Maybe not enough is known about, you know, the Mid-South run. And, you know, maybe he wasn't the clear-cut main event on a lot of those Superdome shows. But, uh, you know, maybe more needs to be done to research this stuff. It, it's it's – I think he's someone who uh, – and, 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 and honestly, I honestly think he doesn't get enough credit for, the, for even the WWF run for the reasons that we talked about. I think he was a bigger deal than he's given credit for. Um, And for whatever reason, maybe the reasons you stated where he had some heat with the company later in his life. And they don't want to emphasize him. But uh, the tape don't lie.
2: Yeah, they just, yeah, for whatever reason, they just never really, yeah, they never really emphasize him. He's not a big part in the narrative. It's all, it's, it's, it's a lot of Piper. Uh, as the main heel, the main antagonist to Hogan. And, and then you just, it pretty much jumps to Andre, then jumps to Savage, and then you're done with, with no real mention of, of Orndorff in between all that. So,
0: you know what else hurts him? He didn't work a pay per view program with Hogan. Yeah, right. He doesn't have that WrestleMania main event against Hogan. Um, you know, many people. Just based on that alone, would say that Bundy was a bigger deal when he clearly was not. Yeah,
2: yeah, the Bundy thing was like a two month story, basically. You know what I mean? It was it was in and out. So
0: Bundy was the monster of the month. I mean, they did the angle at at uh, Saturday Night's main event. They did the match. Hogan beat him decisively. That he was, was that. done.
2: Yeah, he was done. He was over.
0: I mean, he'd have he'd have you know. And I'm not trying to, to disparage Bundy. I mean,
2: no, no, I mean, not, not it, at all. But yeah, it does not at the longevity whatsoever of of, of the Orndorff Hogan feud.
0: Now, a color for character, an important part of that whole era, all of that. Had random matches with Hogan afterwards and, and whatnot, but he was gone by 1987, too. You know, 1987, 1988, and firmly a Mid Carter. By WrestleMania 3, Bundy's doing the match with the Midgets. He's not a big deal by, by WrestleMania 3. And he's another guy who saw the writing on the wall and got the hell out of there. You know, so it's like, you know, and, and, and again, other, You know, Piper was too. Piper never got pinned by Hogan either. And and But other than Piper, who else was protected against Hogan to the extent Doerndorff was?
2: Yeah, no very one. few, very few.
0: Look at all those non-finishes and roll-ups and everything else because I really think from the minute they brought him in in 83, they saw dollar signs with him and they didn't want to beat him. They, they didn't want to beat the guy. And um, I think his long-term story was planned out from the jump. Everything they did with him was well thought out. All of his turns made sense, and you know he turned three times or whatever it was, came in as a heel, turned one, two, yeah, he turned three times in total. And uh, I I think that that long babyface run, that year-long babyface run, was to set up that turn on Hogan and draw that big money, and it worked. And they set that up, Rich, for a fucking year. They don't have that kind of patience anymore. It just feels like I was watching all of this stuff, And it's so hard to believe that this is the very same promotion run by the same
2: guy guy.
0: who who books Monday Night Raw on SmackDown now. It's amazing to me. Because if I had gone into a coma in 1987 and woke up today, I would feel like what I watch, what I see on Mondays and Fridays is more the spiritual successor of TNA at its worst or GLOW or something like that. Because that's how bad it is.
2: Yeah, it feels like GLOW. It feels more like GLOW than it does.
0: Than it does vintage you know mid 80s wwf yeah. where look maybe the the matches weren't great but the booking was always solid and maybe maybe it is pat patterson maybe he does deserve all of that credit that and he gets i'm not saying people don't ever credit pat patterson because they certainly do but maybe he deserves even more credit than we even think for laying all this yeah. stuff out mm-hmm. and you know what i mean because the further vince historically is removed from pat patterson the worse it is I mean, that's really the truth. You look at all the times Patterson's not around or Patterson's on the fringes. And it just it totally deviates from the plot. And this is, you know, and once George Scott is out very early on, this is all Pat Patterson. Yeah,
2: pretty much. Yeah, he's the right hand man the rest of the way.
0: You know, so, um, you know, I don't know. I it, It's uh, we're kind of getting off of Orndorff a little here. Yeah, but yeah. a much more significant career, I think. Than, uh, than a lot of people may have realized, and I hope, I hope at least that this segment helped at least a little.
2: Yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. We'll we'll maybe get this conversation reignited again, doing a deep dive, and then maybe reignited again in the in the fall uh, when the Observer Hall of Fame uh, comes out. So we're gonna have to be a very efficient uh, show here for the next.
0: I uh, oh, we're not f- getting all this shit. We're Let's not get getting
2: all this shit. Yeah, we'll we'll, have to, we'll we'll start with the important stuff first. We'll see where we go, but I want to talk about our best in the world. Uh, that was on the July 11th, last weekend. You and I both uh, saw all the show. Uh, Joe, you're going to ask me, Rich, did you watch the pre-show? I did not watch the pre-show, uh, but you did, correct? You saw Ray Horus and uh, Demonic Flamita and then uh, Dan Housen PCO versus the Bouncers, correct?
0: I did. I know we have to get to this, but I'm obsessed now, and I have to know when George Scott was fired.
2: Uh, 85, uh, I think it was, right?
0: He He made it into... NBC era, I know that. Let me see if Wikipedia. I'm um,
2: almost positive uh-huh. he was done by because his thing. I, I remember it was um, Ebersol thought he was a fucking idiot, right? Uh, it was definitely the Saturday Night's Man event. I want to say it was like maybe he did the first Saturday Night's Man event, but I don't think he lasted past that.
0: Here's what Wikipedia says: He and Ebersol disagreed on the show's content, meaning Saturday Night's Man event, with Ebersol in favor of a Saturday Night Live style show as opposed to Scott's idea for traditional wrestling. The format had been previously used on Tuesday Night Titans. Eventually, Scott decided to resign due to overwork, changing direction of the company, and ongoing conflicts with Hogan and other wrestlers. He was gone by late '85 okay. or yeah. early '86. He did make it. Well, it had to be '86 if he made it to Saturday Night. Yeah, Batman. yeah, right, right. So he was got. So okay, maybe some of the credit for Orndorff's arc belongs to George Scott. Maybe we sold him short because that's smack dab in the middle of everything with Orndorff. So um okay let's not sell george scott short there you go he there george for scott. half of that He's and, good too. <laughs> and that was top of the line stuff so to, uh made him end stuff so he certainly probably had his hand in, in in a lot of it but um
2: in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking maybe i can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, club.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
0: Back to Ring of Honor. Yes, I saw the pre-show with Demonic Flamita
1: <laughs>
0: and Ray Horus. I think that um, Flamita... With the split of Horus Flamita and uh, Bandito, um, I think obviously Bandito is the world champion now, so he benefits the most. But I think Flamita between Flamita and Horus, I think Flamita is the big winner for getting to go heel because you know even though he lost this match and everything, I think he stands out more now as a heel than Horus does as the same old babyface. I agree. I, I'm it's... with you too. Yeah, I, I
2: didn't see this match, but but I, I, I agree in general, uh, Flamita as a heel is probably better a better thing. And then I am... You couldn't pay me to watch Danhausen Housen and PCO versus the Bouncers, so...
0: Let me tell you something. It was good. I'm not even kidding.
2: What? <laughs> Explain. I
0: promise you this match was good. I'm not even fucking with you. Like, I know you're not gonna go back and watch it. I'm this. not,
2: but I don't trust you. Either way.
0: This match, and it wasn't even... Bol- like, no shtick. It was just a good match. Like, a little bit of Dan Housen stick. I Look, it's fucking Danhausen. He's not gonna go out there and wrestle like Dory Funk Jr. But this was good. It was a legitimate... Rich. Maybe three and a half. Wow.
1: Okay. All right.
0: A generous three and a half. How about that?
2: That's more good. than I thought. That's more than I thought. So anyway, that's um that was a pre show sure that was hour one. And uh, then we got to the uh, our best in the world, uh, Fans Back for Ring of Honor, which was so good to have Fans Back for Ring of Honor. It's a show that I have desperately tried to get into over the last year. I just can't do the warehouse wrestling, it just didn't work for me. But the production of ROH has been very good lately. I think Ian Mercaboni's fantastic as a play by play guy. I think Caprice Coleman's gotten really good as a color guy. So I've liked everything about the company and I've wanted to really get into it, but it's just the no fans, the warehouse, all that stuff's kind of dragged on me. So this was a blast to watch with fans because I, I am uh, definitely all in on ring of honor for, for the, the the near future here. Cause I really, really thought this was a good show. And uh yeah, I don't know. Do you want to go, do you want to go match my match quickly or, or just talk yeah, about how let's, yeah, match. let's we'll do that real quick. I mean, there's not a ton of, I don't have a ton of like huge thoughts about this, this, and I think you tweeted out the night of, this was the rich crate special here. Every single match on the show. There's two that I could probably point out that I didn't really, really like, or at least one. I didn't like, I should say uh, every other match on the show, I think was solid enough. I uh, didn't overstay its welcome all about 10 minutes, 20 minutes tops for, for you know, the digression of Mike Bennett. But I thought everything was good uh, except for one match that, that we're going to talk about here in a bit. So, yeah, I can't ask for anything more. Was there any great, great match? Any match that I'd say go out of your way to definitely check out? I I, I don't know if there's one of those on there. We'll, we'll, we'll point out a few that I think really are, are worth maybe, you know, checking out. But like nothing that's like, oh, my God, drop everything and go watch that match. But that's fine. Like a good show flew by the three hours or whatever flew by. So that's all you can ask for in a wrestling show these days.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's start from uh, first match and work. work anyway, Briscoe's,
2: yeah, Briscoe brothers working their, working their way up after the, uh, the farm fights. Their dad says he's got to, these kids got to work their way back up. So they start on the undercard against Brian Johnson and PJ Black. And I, Joe, I, I know we've talked about this before. I'm a Brian Johnson fan. That dude is, what promos this guy cuts?
0: Yeah. One of, the best
2: he, 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 one of the best heels in the business. A true, genuine heel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's a good promo guy. Um, I guess you call him homegrown right?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think he came up through the I don't know if he came up through the dojo exactly, but at least definitely the, uh, the Future of Honor uh, uh, guy. So yeah, I forget. You get a, a lot
0: dojo. of guys who are either legitimate homegrown or that you basically associate with Ring of yeah, Honor.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, one of those guys. Yeah, yes. for
0: sure. Your Brian Johnsons, your Dak Drapers, your Josh Woods. Look, some of these guys worked elsewhere, small indies or whatever, but you associate them with Ring of Honor and, and, and they're kind of homegrowns and he's one of them. And uh, look, the Briscoe story, I love it. The farm fight, I don't know if we talked about it on the air. But oh, we did we, told- we didn't.
2: But we can go ahead and do it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love the farm fight. I thought it was uh, very well done for quote-unquote cinema. I think Ring of Honor are the cinematic champions.
2: Oh, for sure. Now now it, that the cinematic era hopefully is fucking yeah. over, uh, definitely between the Vincent-Matt Taven match, which was good, and this, the farm fight, which was really good as well. They, they blew everybody else away. You know blew why?
0: They were just fights.
2: They were just fights that had multiple cameras on it. And they were done outside of a wrestling ring, and that's it.
0: There were matches outside of a ring. Yeah. That's all.
2: Spooky music. Nobody died and came back to life. Nobody got lit on fire or eaten by an alligator. Like No
0: attempts at awful comedy. No.
2: Just fights that happened outside of the ring.
0: Just, you know, the Briscoes starting off in their rickety ring inside their barn and then just fighting all over the chicken farm. (laughs) Yep. You know. And Jay Briscoe, A-ta-ta-ta-ta! yeah, it's
2: totally realistic too, it. and and like completely realistic that these guys would do this on a, a any I'm like just on any given day that these dudes would do had this exact fight that they had seems like completely realistic to what these dudes would do in, in just a normal day. So loved it. How
0: good is Jay Briscoe? Oh, he's like the best. How, yeah, he's great. You don't watch him for a while, and then you watch him, and you're just like, you can watch this guy wrestle every fucking. He's got every the, all the credibility, like the promos, like you believe he's gonna. You believe that that man would fucking maim you oh, if yeah, you got yeah. on the wrong the oh, sure. side. They,
2: they scare the fuck out of me. They, Dude, those guys, and and, and it... it, it if you've ever been to a lot especially back in the in the in the peak days of of the briscoes i would say you know like the you know six you know that that era right there they were legitimately scared when they came out you always talk about that sort of you know sabu had that or whatever you had that with the briscoes because like those i mean look at those guys those boys (laughs) i don't know what's behind the ear i don't know what's behind those eyes but i don't want to be a part of it and they would they would come out and they'd brawl in the crowd and they'd tell you get the fuck out of the way and you're like okay all right all right because it's like look at those dudes like of course they'd kill you
0: who knows no problem sir yeah exactly
2: let me move this chair out of the way for you. Oh you want the chair? It's yours. Use it to smash Rhett Titus on top of the head. I don't care. Yeah, like, just you know. a
0: different breed of alpha male. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. like like uh you know he, he, he's just so it's just in and, and the farm fight just came across that way too. You know, and um I know that that uh that Mark Briscoe does more of a you know he leans a little more towards the comedy at times but uh but he's excellent too. But Jay Jay should have been an all timer. Yeah, I mean he's just so good, and um, you know they're slowing down a little. There's no question they they don't fly as much, a lot of the high impact stuff. But the credibility is still there, and I love this story. They beat each other up on the farm. Papa Briscoe said, "That's enough. Now you guys, you got it out of your system. Let's get back in there and get back to those World Tag Team titles." And like you said, they're starting at the bottom. Yeah, awesome. and, and, and here we go.
2: Uh, so this was good. This was, uh, it started us off pretty well. Uh, things went in a slightly different direction here with, uh, EC3 and Flip Gordon. Joe, what'd you think of EC3 and Flip Gordon? Cause I thought I, this was pretty bad. So.
0: You and everybody else, yeah. I didn't think it was as bad as people think. I think it was just an average match. The thing about it is EC3, people have to realize this is what he is. Yep. He's, he just, his, his body is shot. Um, he looks great. <laughs>
2: he definitely has abs. Yeah, he looks, he looks He looks. like he works out.
0: The gimmick, I don't know. <laughs> and his body shot. I mean, so yeah. maybe I just came in knowing, okay, look, Flip Gordon isn't going to be able to do half the shit that he wants to do, number one.
2: Yeah, because EC3 can't catch him or do anything with that, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's fucking Flip Gordon. His name <laughs> is <laughs> Flip Gordon. He can't be Flip Gordon against EC3. You're not going to get Flip Gordon in the fucking Best of the Super Juniors against EC3, EC3 is what he is. Look, I didn't think this was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not defending it. It, was, But to me, it was just an average match. And it was, it's EC3. I, I don't think Ring of Honor is a good spot for him. It's too, it's too physical of a company for EC3. He needs to go somewhere where the gimmick can carry him and his promos can carry him. And there's just, he can't work with the people on this roster. No,
2: no. And I honestly a house think, style. yeah, I, I don't know. And honestly, I think like, it might be the wrestling world to kind of passed this guy by at this point because I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, we can go to Impact, but I'm like, I ah, don't. No, there's so many. There's a lot of good wrestlers on Impact too that I don't really want. He can't work anywhere. I mean, WWE is probably the best place for him to work at this and he, point. And
0: he can't. And he can't do his old gimmick because MJF has just bypassed yeah. him. Right. Right. Just, right. So man. he's just got to
2: stare longingly and and talk about narratives and stuff. And it's just yeah, it's bad shit. It's just it's stupid. So. um it's not it a fifth of honor. Yeah, it, 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 it it's of very, very strange. And I, I don't imagine, I can't imagine it lasting. Uh, a whole lot much longer, but uh, anyway, let's move on. Our uh, ROH World Six Man Tag Team Titles here. Shane Taylor Promotions successfully defended titles against Deck Draper, Dalton Castle, and Eli Isom. I thought this was pretty good action here. Uh, Dalton Castle looked pretty good, considering you know he looked like he was on death's door a few years ago, where he could barely move or do anything. He's not the worker he was, you know, a, a handful of years ago, but he's still pretty solid. And I thought Draper, who, who I've really been impressed by in this last year and everything I've watched him, and Eli Ison who I think's improved a lot as well. And then yeah, Shane Taylor Promotions are, are pretty cool too. So yeah, this was a. I like this match a lot. I like this. This is pretty good action here.
0: Yeah. And you know, all the guys with Shane Taylor and his little group here are, are fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's unexposed talent. They're not guys that you're tired of seeing. So, and, and they're getting a legitimate push and all that. So there's something to look forward to with uh, the STP guys.
2: Uh, Last man standing here is Josh Woods and Silas young here. And uh, this is a big, this is a a big win for Josh Woods because uh, it was just pointed out by uh, Sean Cedar who did our preview. Uh, over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. and it makes sense. Uh, Silas Young, undefeated in last man standing matches before he's the last real man on earth. Of course, he's going to win a last man standing match. But here, he does the JOB to Josh Woods and puts him through a table.
0: I feel like this feud has been going on pre pandemic.
2: <laughs> yeah, hopefully this is the end of it. So.
0: I might be wrong about, but I really no, liked I appreciate it. this I thought, has been
2: going on since two thousand eighteen. So yeah, I think you're right.
0: I liked it. I thought I had a great finish too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big table spot at the end. I I thought this was a really good match. I thought everything from here on out was all really good and as they kept running out of satellite time it got better and everyone yeah because i felt like the energy of the show was so frenetic and everybody had to just waste no time and just get it especially after Gresham and Bennett and it's just everyone just had to work like these sprints and it fucking ruled like i i i really loved I saw a lot of people complaining, but I loved the pacing no, of the show. The more the
2: matches guy. need to be 11 minutes. More matches need to be 11 minutes. Less it matches need to be 25 minutes. Yes,
0: yes, Yeah, for both sure. Ma-
2: more matches need to be both guys, people getting into the ring and trying to win a match. You know, that, more of that. Dragon Lee and Tony Deppin did not need to be 19 minutes. It was perfect at 10 minutes. Bandito and Rouge, you know, sixteen minutes, perfect. It did not need yeah. to go twenty-five. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the the fight without honor. We'll talk about it. Eleven minutes, and it's fine. It, 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 you tell the exact same story, you condense some stuff, you leave some stuff out, you get the best stuff, and you do it in ten minutes. It's fine. Uh,
0: you know the AEW pay per views. I really wish they had a hard three hours and had to stick to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I really do. But uh, anyway.
2: Uh, then we have Brody King and 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 Jay Lethal, and I I don't want to call this like a squash. It wasn't a squash, but this was the we're featuring Brody King, and look how awesome he is. Match, you, you know, it went ten minutes, but largely you're left thinking, man, Brody King's a fucking killer, and this guy's ready to go whenever they need, need it. Well, to be with in the, the top exception
0: spot. with the exception of the Briscoe story they're telling. Look at some of the winners: STP, yep. Josh Woods, Brody King, Bandito. Okay, there's a there's a clear theme here. So. They come out of the gate with a pay-per-view. They got fans back for the first time. They know there's a lot of new eyes, and I think that affected a lot of their decision-making in terms of the booking.
2: Uh, you had ROH Pure title here, Jonathan Gresham versus Mike Bennett. And I was... Uh... A little worried about this. Hey, how's Bennett going to do in this spot? This, I thought this was tremendous. I thought Mike Bennett was really good in this match.
0: Mike Bennett is very underrated. He absolutely
2: is. Yeah, absolutely is. This guy was, you know, he he talked the talk and he walked the walk. He said in his last WWE run, he just wanted to wrestle. He said, just let me. Wrestle. All I want to do is wrestle, and you know, largely, you know, I think you and I were both like, "All right, I mean, I guess, yeah, we, we, I mean, I don't think you and I are the biggest Mike Bennett fans in the world or whatever. We weren't quite sure what it was, but you know, he was just pleading, just let me wrestle. I just want to wrestle. And you see matches like this, and it's like, fuck, yeah, what has this guy been doing for four years? Nothing. You know, what a missed opportunity this guy's been.
0: You know, and and he was great in this match with this specific style. And if you remember, he had that great plunder match with uh, Spud on two Oh five live. I don't know if you watched that. Uh, Oh
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I I did. I, on your recommendation, I definitely did.
0: Yeah. And, um, which shows that he's kind of got versatility, uh, going for him now too. I think he's very underrated. I mean, I, I also questioned whether he can go in a match like this, but, and you know, this was a very good finish with Gresham. The crafty veteran of the pure matches, undefeated in the pure style. Do you notice Ring of Honor is really incorporating stats and win loss yeah, record uh-huh, like that? Uh-huh, I do. And and it's it, you know it's very refreshing to see another promotion, and it really fits Ring of Honor too, even more than AEW to have to kind of work that stuff in. So Gresham's undefeated in these matches, and he's got that rope break in his back pocket, and he gets the foot under the ropes on the pinfall attempt because he had that rope break saved. And Bennett's were all gone. And he got him in that submission. And Bennett could not, you know, the rope the rope break was, it was futile. There was no point even going for the ropes because he used them all up. And he had to tap out. And uh, it's just another added layer of storytelling that you can work in to these matches. And Gresham not only is a great wrestler and a great grappler, but he's portrayed as just the expert in the style. Yeah. You know, and th- that stuff is so smart and so different and I really liked the match and Bennett uh, over-delivered for sure on my expectations. And again, as I say, I I think he's very underrated. I think that uh, the Mike Bennett that people might remember who was just a, you know, the jaggiest jag possible. I don't think that's the case. I think this guy, you really get the sense he loves wrestling and, and, and he's gotten better. And, uh, and, and this was a, a very impressive match for him
2: yeah and the bill was kind of cool too because it's jonathan gresham being like you know what we're saying or like who the hell are you man you can't wrestle and he's like i, I yeah. can wrestle <laughs> like i, pr- I promise i could wrestle and it's like all right we'll see man and he proved himself here he definitely did so yeah this is we're gonna talk about it in a bit because i want to get to rev pro after this as well i do want to talk about rev pro because this is a, a banner week for matches and stipulations and rules being really, really cool when you utilize them in a a very, very fun, interesting way. So uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, a little teaser there. But uh, then you had ROH World Television title match, Dragon League versus Tony Deppin. Uh, I don't know if this was always planned to go 10 minutes, probably not. But it made the match so much more frenetic. I mean, the bell rang and these assholes just went at each other and just did shit for ten minutes, and it fucking rocked. This was so great. You got fucking Dragon Lee doing a you know over the top rope Canadian destroyer thing. You got Tony Deppen just working his ass off. I mean, this rocked. This was so good. I love this match. Deppen so, did that. Uh,
0: Deppen did Oh, that's right. Deppin did that. Fuck yeah, you're right.
2: I forget. <laughs> I think Dragon Lee's the dumb idiot that would do that. You're right. Deppin did it. Sorry.
0: Yeah, and um. You no know, Deppen held his own here with Dragon. Absolutely. It, he, he
2: was right there with Tony uh, with with Dragon Lee the entire time. And that's one of the best yeah. high flyers in the business.
0: That's right. And and they they went out there and worked a 10 minute go 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 sprint in Dragon Lee style and Deppen was right there with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this was impressive <laughs> uh, out of Deppen and uh, yeah, I think this is this and the next match were the two matches to me that absolutely were helped by being shorter on time than they probably would have been. I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of both of them.
2: And then we have uh, Violence Unlimited, Chris Dickinson, and Homicide uh, versus the Foundation, Jonathan Gresham, and Rhett Titus. Uh, obviously, this uh, you know Jonathan Gresham moves on here, does double duty uh, on this night, and uh, yeah, he uh, I thought he was really good in this. But I think to me, the stars uh, of this match, Violence Unlimited, were they're they're a great team. I fucking love this team. Dickinson and ROH rules. Homicide is is. It, Kind of, he he he's touch and go. Like sometimes I really really like Homicide, and sometimes I'm just kind of like bored of the whole shtick. Uh, I I'm I'm into him right now. I, I think this violence unlimited thing is pretty solid with him. And I thought Red Titus worked his ass off in here too. This is absolutely like you said. This match was so much better than it was in 18 minutes. That it was only 11 minutes because it, it just it was worked at a different pace and it was just like the bell rang and everybody here wanted to win this match and win the tag team titles as quickly as possible, which is good. Like you want that, and and what you got is brand new champions in Dickinson and Homicide. So yeah, can't ask for anything better than that.
0: Well, Rich, if you enjoy homicide, can I interest you in a subscription to NWA Power?
2: No, <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> so, that's,
0: yeah, look, I'm guessing
2: we don't get the same homicide um, in NWA Power. Is that uh, is that true?
0: Uh, he's only had one match so far, so who knows? Who knows? But uh, a lot of possibilities with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Plenty
2: of possibilities for homicide in uh, the National Wrestling Alliance, and then we have our, our main event well, here. Uh, oh, i going on ahead. the
0: tag. They had a look. Um, Tracy Williams couldn't.
2: Yeah, I got hit by a fucking car so that's
0: like legit wasn't allowed to work by the ridiculous Maryland State Athletic Commission. So they were gift-wrapped a story for this match and took advantage of it. Gresham clearly worn out by a tough match against Mike Bennett earlier in the night. Just can't last against these two violent maniacs yeah. in this tag match. I love shit. like yeah, it's that. It's not his
2: style either. You know, he's, he's thrown yeah. into a fight without honor and, and he just got done working a pure rules. And I know how to, you know, maneuver your body around the ring. And I know how to use the rules and stuff. And now he's in here getting his ass whooped by homicide. And he's like, fuck, I'm not good at this. And it made sense. Here's a champion that's so good in this one style that is taken out of his element, having to, you know, on on short notice, put in this match that he doesn't want to be in. And, yeah, he gets his ass kicked. And that's cool. That's good. And it doesn't make Gresham look any worse. You know what I mean? Like, but it makes sense. It makes logical sense.
0: Makes sense. Doesn't make him look any worse. He should take the fall. It would make Titus look like a geek if he's the one who lost. Yeah. Gresham should lose. He's tired. This is Ring of Honor. It's an athletic company that pushes this shit like, you know, it's real competition. The guy was in a 20-minute match earlier in the night, and, he, and, and it was saved by the skin of his teeth with a rope break, okay? And like you're saying, he's in a match that's way out of his wheelhouse. And, you know, so that was a nice little booking touch that I wanted to make sure we brought up. All
2: right, and then the main event here was ROH World uh, title. Bandido defeating Rush, uh, defeating Rush, I should say, to, uh, to win the ROH world title. I thought this was good, not great. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff on the show I liked a little bit more. Uh, but I think this was, you know, a solid main event. I thought Bandito held himself uh, pretty well. I thought Roosh is always a guy. Like, I, it just never quite lands with me on that level. And I'm probably, I think I'm kind of happy that Bandito is the champion because I think there's there's more, you know, really, really good matches uh, in store for Bandito. But I don't know. This was, this was good, but not great. There was a lot of stuff on this show that I thought was really, really good. I don't know. This is upper half of the show, but but I'd say there was a few matches that I think I liked a little bit more.
0: I thought it was dramatic. Um, I didn't see Bandito winning. I, Bandito doesn't feel like a hot commodity that needed to win and, and all that, but at the same time, I don't think that really matters. Um, I think what Ring of Honor wanted to do was get a little attention with their return to pay-per-view with fans, do a world title change, own the headlines for 12 hours, which they did. So from that perspective, I get it. Um, but does bandito, you know, I watched, I crash watched like three months of TV before I watched this. Does bandito feel like a, like he was hot coming into this? No. But did anyone feel hot in this company in front of no fans? No,
2: it was hard. It was hard to know. Yeah. This is what we're talking about where you don't know when you get in front of fans, like who's going to be over, who's going to be hot or whatever. You have an idea. You have a kind of a rough idea, but even if that rough idea, I didn't feel like bandito felt hot and like he came out and yeah, the crowd didn't really explode for him either. So
0: yeah. So, but at the end of the day, I really don't think it matters either. So, but, you know, this was Roosh being Roosh. He wasn't going to lose without beating the guy down at the end of the show. So, <laughs>
2: yeah, the fam comes in. Um, and, yeah,
0: gets beat yeah, down and... His old man and his, his boy. So, but, you know, they did get me, though, with the 21 plex um, near fall. I wish they wouldn't have cut the camera to Roosh's face fucking watching the referee's arm. Uh, I hate when they do that. <laughs> Um, but they did get me on that near fall, and then they did get me with the finish because I didn't expect Bandito to win. So it was, and you know what else I liked about this? I liked that the opening spot was a tease of the Dalton Castle finish at Madison.
2: Oh, you're right, that was so great. Yeah, where where, where Roosh comes in there with the drop kick, and it's like, oh my god, he's gonna do it one two no, and then like yeah, then then everybody kind of it gets you right into the match immediately. In ten seconds, you're into that match, and yeah, forget how awesome that was live to watch the 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 Dalton Castle Roosh match.
0: Yeah, so. Um, you know, yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, Bandito's the world champ. Okay, let's go with that. And it looks like his feud with Roosh will continue. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Roosh wins it right back. Um, but it felt good to watch a bunch of ROH. I'm not going to lie. The empty arena ROH is not easy to watch. What I had to do was turn the sound down and listen to podcasts while I watched it. Yeah, that's fair. To get through it, because, um especially with with AEW's crowds now and stuff it's just it's so hard to watch this stuff with no fans
2: right that's what i have with new japan right now i just can't yeah. i'm gonna do that i'll it do the wrestle grand slam obviously but yeah I, I can't i tried and i'm just like no nope, I, I can't i gotta
0: what's AEW calling the show at uh at arthur Ashe, are they calling that grand slam too uh y-
2: yes i want to say they are i think they're I just calling they it are, a grand because- slam yeah i think they're just calling it grand slam Okay,
0: because I called it Grand Slam about 19 times. <laughs> think, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: There's Wrestle Grand Slam, which is the Tokyo Dome one, and then yeah, that is AEW Grand Slam. So you, you are you are you're fine.
0: Okay, someone would have got on me already because you know how people are. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That but, uh,
2: four, in four minutes we'd have 10 messages from people still. What
0: I'm not sure though, I usually say something like Wrestle. I, I'll usually say something like Grand Slam or whatever the gimmick is called. That's my cover. Because if I say whatever the gimmick is called... <laughs>
2: right, right, right. It's the cover, yeah.
0: Right,
2: right, right. Well, I'm um, doing that in a uh, uh series. I'm doing a Patreon, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. I keep calling the King of the Mountain match the King of the Road match, which I don't know why that match left an indelible mark on my brain. I think fucking, that left an
0: indelible mark on everyone's yeah, brain. Yeah, Barry
2: was- Darso... Dustin Rose, you know <laughs> in the,
0: in the, in the Flatbed truck
2: yeah. But I always, for whatever reason, like two times A show, I say the king of the road Instead of king of the mountain and To the point now where I've just said, I'm gonna say king of the road You know what I mean, I mean king of the mountain You got it, so um, Because I just can't help myself, so there you go um, So I said I wanted to get to uh, This RevPro thing, Joe I do want to make a, a little bit of a I don't know, on air adjustment here I, I'm down for an overrun If you're down for an overrun, what do you say? <laughs>
0: I think, without question, there's going to be overrun content this week. I think we could, we could sort that out. Um,
2: or do you want to just go let's live? Do, we could just keep it going. It's up to you. Where, where are going. you at? Where are you at in your life? We've
0: got we've – got, how much time do we have? We the have show
2: about 20 minutes left.
0: We could do Rev Pro for the show proper and then wrap it up for the uh, free feed. And then do some overrun content for the $10 live listeners, which will also good. be available on the $5 feed later. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so if you are on the, we'll remind you again, but if you are listening live, we are going to end the show and give the closing greeting after the Rev Pro segment, but don't Stay. leave the feed. You're going to get more show. You are going to get um, an overrun live as well, if you'd like. or you can leave the show, and the overrun will be available on on the five dollar tier, which would include everybody listening live later on. So let's do Rev Pro.
2: Let's do it. All right. So I watched this show as live at the cockpit fifty one. I know you've seen this one as well. Uh, can I? I want to talk red right about the main event. Can we? Can we start with yeah, the main yeah, yeah. event? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I talked about. I, I teased a little bit there with the ROH pure uh, thing, where where rules and enforcing rules and adhering to rules and doing stuff like that can make a match so much better and just make things just just work so well. And I I have no idea what you thought of this match whatsoever, but I absolutely loved the Southside Heavyweight Title Tournament Iron Fist match. We joked about it where we didn't know what the Iron Fist match was. What we're told is this is an Iron Man match, 30-minute Iron Man match, but the match can end at any time via knockout. So what they do here, and it's it fucking, this is just great stuff. Rev Pro just rules the, the booking. So you have Ricky Knight Jr., who in this tournament lost, but then joined the loser's bracket, and then won out through the loser's bracket, which that shit, it's real, like, annoyingly nerdy stuff, but I fucking love it. It's great. Yeah. Where Dan Maloney, he just cruised through the tournament, won it outright. So what he does, because he came through the A block of this Southside tournament, he starts this Ironman match up 1-0, because he should be rewarded. No, hold on, Ricky Knight Jr. came from the loser's bracket. Yep. You know, Dan Maloney hasn't lost a match, you know? No. Yep. We're not even. We're not even. I, I've won everything. You've come from the loser's bracket. So Maloney starts 1 0. I loved that, Joe. I fucking loved it. I, I, I had a feeling you would like it as well. And it sounds like you did. So,
0: yeah, I, I wasn't great. expecting that. And that's absolutely what you should do in a tournament with a loser's bracket. Right. If you come through the loser's bracket, you're not the guy, we're not equals.
2: We're not equals. No.
0: The guys undefeated. He should have some edge. And the edge that they gave him was you're up 1 nothing. In this Iron Man match,
2: yeah, and it, it, it made it for the, so now the match starts and Ricky Knight Jr. He's obviously down one zero, so he starts out. He's kind of working Maloney over a little bit, working Maloney over a little bit, working him over, working him over, working him over, and it's not really going anywhere. Maloney's not really going down. He's trying for some pinfalls. Maloney keeps getting out. He tries him in some submissions. It's not really working. Then what happens? Maloney catches him, and he gets the one two three, and then Ricky Knight Jr. Is down zero. With about, I don't know, what's it's like 11 minutes left or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ricky Knight Jr. starts, oh, fuck, I got to get going here a little bit. So he starts going, he starts going, he starts going a little bit. Well, Dan Maloney's not going down again. Then Dan Maloney hits him with a spear and almost gets a three count. Maloney or, or Ricky Knight kicks out, and then Ricky Knight, something snaps him, and he realizes, okay, I have 10 minutes left or 15 minutes left or whatever. This dude's got me on the ropes. He just hit me with a spear. I'm not going to pin this guy three times. And the announcers made sure to address that, too. They said, well, Ricky Knight Jr., he really, you know, he can get two pinfalls to tie it, but he needs three to win this, and he's only got 15 minutes. So Ricky Knight Jr. gets up after selling and realizes, I'm going to win this thing via knockout. And then just proceeds to target Dan Malone. He just fucking kicks him in the arm, kicks him in the head, kicks him in the face. Just He's just going all at it. He's just a nutcase. He's not trying any moves. He's not trying any holds. He's just kicking and punching this guy because he realizes, I'm not going to be able to pin this guy. There's no way I have to win via knockout. So what he does then, eventually, is he makes a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge at the camera, then does an os-cutter, points to the camera, again, to say, Will Ospreay, hello. Then hits the hidden blade, yep. and Dan Maloney is KO'd, and he wins the title, realizing he cannot win via, via pinfall, he has to win via KO. Yep. I fucking love it.
0: And he uses Will Ospreay's move to do yep. it. The guy who beat him already. Yep. And, he know, and now that he won this title, he, that's his opponent. In the unification match, what else does this tell us? Willow Ospreay's comes <laughs> oh, back. Oh,
2: I would say by Ricky Knight Junior. Said, "Hey, you got some asshole that goes to Japan and doesn't defend the yeah. title," and then he goes, "I'm gonna defend the title every time." And the crowd goes, "Yay!" And then you know, at the end of the match, obviously Shoto uh returns to RevPro and just goes, "Will Ospreay. <laughs> so it's like, yes. I think he's coming back, Joe. <laughs> Everybody on the roster calling him out. I would say he's probably coming back. So.
0: They set up about 19 matches <laughs> with this match. I know, it's great. So Ricky Knight Jr. uses Willow Spray's finisher to knock out Dan Maloney because he knew he didn't have time to get three pinfalls. I love it. So I he love wins so the much. match. That's
2: People think we weird. hate wrestling. It's, I love wrestling when it's like this.
0: And I just want it to be good.
2: Yes, I just want it to be good and make sense. That's all I'm I such want. A, I am
0: such a geek when it's good. <laughs> I know. It's... Because at its core, all of this shit is dumb. But I love it when it's good. I love it, Rich. I love the wrestling. <laughs> no, it's I
2: couldn't wait to talk about this. I was watching it, and I was just like, you know, I, I, and I couldn't. I was like, man, I cannot wait to talk to Joe about this. And as the show was ticking and ticking and ticking, I was like, I want to talk about this Rev Pro match so badly. But we got to it. I'm glad.
0: Yeah, they had a nice little crowd there with their limited capacity, yeah. and the fans were into it. And maybe British wrestling isn't dead yet. You know, I mean, the, the jokes are easy to make, but Rev Pro just chugged along and did their empty arena shows and kept their storylines going. They did, this was an excellent. I not It was a good show from top to bottom. Yeah. Well booked. Mm-hmm. Well booked. Fans were into it. You know. I get it. If some of the British fans just want to hand wave the scene because they're, I understand. I totally that.
1: get
2: that. Yeah, that scenes but, in, in in rubble. I get it.
0: But the people that want to go and enjoy it, this is a night. This promotion's doing a nice job. You know. And uh, you know, you set up Knight Junior. You set up RKJ versus Spray. Umino comes out. He steps up to RKJ. That they set up a match between those two. Maybe that'll be the time killer to give Osprey a little more time to recover. Uminu, like you said, the only words he said was Will Osprey. Yeah, he comes he out and says, very-
2: Ricky Knight Jr., your title. I want it. And yeah. he goes, number two, Will Osprey. <laughs> and then he just drops the microphone.
1: So.
0: Then Maloney is sassy at the end yeah, too. Like right, Maloney's right. like, what the fuck? Like, this is bullshit. Like I went undefeated in this tournament. My fear. Rich, I have a fear. Uh-oh. Three-way.
2: Oh, no. Damn it.
0: It's a legitimate concern. Damn it.
2: Damn it. You're right.
0: Or even a four-way. Because <laughs> Maloney has a gripe, too. You're right.
2: You're right. He does.
0: He went undefeated, and he lost by knockout when he was up 2-0. Or 3-0, or whatever. Well, 2-0, right? 2-0, yeah. He was he up was 2-0. Up 2-0. And he lost by knockout. Kind of, you know, he could say it's a fluke. He beat everybody else. I'm afraid they'll do a three- or four-way. But here, what I'm hoping is... Willow Spray needs a little more time, so maybe we'll do RKJ versus Aminu first, and then the winner of that will face Willow Spray, which is why both of them called out Will. That's what I'm hoping for. I don't want the three way. With that said, do I think a Willow Spray RKJ shooter Aminu three way will be good? I do, but yes. I'm just yeah.
2: I just rather all, every combination of singles matches of all those guys. I'd rather see. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Now there's some political implications. I don't know if New Japan wants Will Osprey having 50 50 singles matches against Umino. That's a little weird, isn't it? Right,
2: right, right. Yeah,
0: because he's not back yet. You know what I mean? And Willow Osprey a former IWGP champion. That's a little funky. I don't know if you want to do that singles match. Um, there's really no way to do it where it doesn't where it's not weird. So maybe. You do the RKJ Omino match, and RKJ beats him too. I, I don't know what I don't want is a three or four way, but I guess I have to live with it if they give it to us.
2: Uh, elsewhere on the show, uh, there was uh, Giselle Shaw uh, defeated Zoe Lucas for the uh, the British women's title, the vacant British women's title. It was uh, it was certainly a match. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, no, it was Zoe
2: fair. is pretty terrible, right?
0: I try to tell you that, like she's, she's not
2: so good. bad. <laughs> yeah, she Giselle's is- fine. Like Giselle, you could tell she's still kind of like. She She's, like, good at wrestling, but she's not... She She's good at doing wrestling things, but I don't know if she's good at wrestling. Does that make sense? Like, she's athletic and she understands it, but, like, putting together a structure of a match isn't always great with her. It always feels like she's kind of thinking about the next spot or whatever. But Zoe Giselle, Lucas she, fucking stinks, like...
0: Joey Lucas, I think she's office, so she's not going anywhere, but, um... Giselle Shaw is a competent replacement level wrestler who undoubtedly will be in NXT UK probably pretty soon. Oh, so, no doubt, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, but but this is what's left. I mean, every time they push somebody, they get signed.
2: <laughs> right, so it's just these two wrestling. Or get a tryout,
0: but you know, to be fair, pre uh, not Priestley. Um, um, Hater, yeah, Jamie Hater, and I forget the, the end, other one's name. The yeah. end of the show. Oh, Sky Smithson. They didn't get signed. They got tryouts, mm-hmm. and Rev Pro said, "Well, fuck that. We got to move on." So they, sh- so they, they vacated the title, and Giselle Shaw to the rescue as usual. Zoe Lucas is always going to be hanging around. So those two could be back if WWE didn't like what they saw. Mm-hmm. So store that away. So Lord Gideon Gray might get you know one of his charges. <laughs> That poor guy's unit gets ripped apart. Every time I,
2: well, he, he, he you know what? At the end of the day, that means that he's he's finding good talent. We always just say that about Gabe. Gabe, everybody that Gabe touched would get signed, and and you know that's that's a good eye for talent. So,
0: well, remember when that became Larry Sweeney's gimmick, and and Matt Seidel turned heel and went with sweet and sour? Yeah, 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 Like that became Larry Sweeney's gimmick was I'm an agent, and I'm filtering all of the ROH wrestlers to WWE, and that was the heat. And then Matt Seidel signed with WWE for real. So in kayfabe, they had Larry Sweeney sign Matt Seidel and claim that Larry Sweeney was the reason that Matt Seidel was going to WWE to put heat on Larry Sweeney. So it's like that's kind of what's going on with Gideon Gray. Like every time he has somebody, they either go back to New Japan or get signed. So uh, he just can't keep a unit together, but uh, maybe he gets Sky Smithson back. Who knows?
2: (laughs) Uh, Anything else on the show you wanted to uh, touch on? There were some other matches here. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to that one.
0: So Doug Williams, Kenneth Halfpenny, and Sean Jackson. And uh, they beat Callum Newman, J.J. Gale, and Brendan White. What I loved about this was, first of all, Newman and Gale, I brag on them all the time. Uh, they're going to be – both of those guys, I think, have huge upsides.
2: Oh, yeah. And I think they're, they're both going to be stars, for
1: sure.
0: Yeah. And um, I know it's high praise, but I really do truly believe that Callum Newman is ahead of where Will Ospreay was at the same age. I really do. Now, what I liked about this was Doug Williams – I've never been a huge Doug Williams fan. I loved his role in this match as like the veteran with these two kids on his team. And then Halfpenny and White. These dudes feuded through the whole fucking pandemic, right? White's kind of like the baby face, Halfpenny's the heel. And Halfpenny wins and he's talking all this shit to Brendan White after the match and Doug Williams snatches the mic from him and he's like "Pipe down, kid." He's like "Relax." But I like how the pandemic booking played into this. Like we're not forgetting that halfpenny and White had this seven-match series, and they hate each other's guts. And halfpenny's doing all this bragging, but he didn't do any of the work. You know, it was Doug Williams who did all the work. So there was a lot going on in this match, and and RevPro is just such a well-booked promotion because there's hardly anything on their shows that's just throwaway. You know what I mean? Like, everything either matters, yeah. moving forward. Yeah, no matter what you watch,
2: there's a good chance it it, it it's relevant, It's it's got a meaning, and they've and they and they've known about it, and they're thinking about it, and they know who's going to win, they know who's going to lose, and there's a reason that person's going to win, there's a reason that person's going to lose, or whatever, which is cool.
0: Yeah, and I guess the other thing, the other was the uh, Tag League got going, and the uh, Light Ghost guys picked up the first points of the tournament, and they beat Connor Mills and Michael Oku. So, um, it was all right. I mean... I've never been a huge fan of the light ghost thing. Nah, they,
2: yeah. No.
0: Connor Mills is like the British Jordan Oliver. Yeah, I know. You know I,
2: I Mills and Oku, like, I think I like them, and then I watch them wrestle, and I'm like, oh, wait, no, I don't like
0: them. You know, <laughs> Oku really, Oku really became a thing for a while before speaking out, and was vastly overrated by a lot of people. I like him, don't get me wrong, but he is not even close to the finished no. product that people thought he was. No, no, no. And no. I was saying it at the time, and... There was a lot of overt praise for him that was really over the top. And I think a lot of it was the quality of people he was working with. He's good. I like him. He's better than Mills for sure. And the thing about Oku is he has a crowd connection that you cannot teach. Correct. Yeah. That is the one thing about Michael Oku. He has a crowd connection you cannot teach. And I don't know how that's going to be moving forward because a lot of people don't, a lot of fans don't like him anymore because of some of the, uh, milder. he wasn't like a full speaking out guy who's like banished but he had some milder accusations the use of some slurs things like that he's not someone who's been banished but at the same time i don't know if those fans are ever coming back so that crowd connection could remain with the fans that remain it's all unknown with the british scene we have to see how that stuff all plays out moving forward but at any rate the Light Ghost Gym pick up the first points. I guess they're giving three points to the winners in this thing and not yeah, two points.
2: That's a little so, annoying, but whatever. That's...
0: I don't know what draws are, but yeah. I, I guess it makes sense that a win should be three times as much as a draw, right?
2: I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. that's fine. No, no.
0: You know, draws are kind of fucking stupid. So <laughs> I
2: agree. It should be negative.
0: Yeah. You, should, you know. But that was the Repro Show. I guess everything else or some of this stuff can get moved to overrun. Is that what we're doing here? I think
2: so, yeah. So I think that's it. We're wrapping up uh, this uh, uh, version of the uh, Voice of Flash. Wrestling flagship. Obviously, if you're on the live feed, uh, stick around. You're going to get the overrun uh, for the people that are on the free feed. If you want to hear us preview Impact Wrestling Slammiversary, WWE Money in the Bank. We also have New Japan Show, Dragon Gate Shows, some other stuff we're going to talk about as well. Noah. Crossover and Sendai. We're going to do all that uh, at least on the overrun. So you can uh, jump on on, on that. Uh, that is going to be so the live people stick around. You're going to hear it. If you're on the $10 tier and you weren't listening to the flagship live, you can listen on the same video file. It'll still be on there. If you're on the free feed, this is where we depart and you can jump on patreon.com slash voice wrestling for $5 to hear the replay uh, of the overrun. That'll be up there. patreon.com slash voice wrestling uh, right around when the uh, flagship drops uh, on the free feeds as well. So if you're listening to this on the free feed, we bid you adieu. If you're on the, uh, the, the live stream or you're listening on the $10 tier YouTube video, stick around. We're going to take a quick little sidebar. I think we're just going to go right into it in, in a sec. I think we usually pause and then we go right into it. But uh, that is it for us. So anyway, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Kreich. We'll talk to you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast.